Good evening, everyone. We're going to start the meeting uh, with the land acknowledgement. The West Hollywood City Council acknowledges that the land on which we gather and that is currently known as the City of West Hollywood is the occupied, unceded, seized territory of the Gabrielino Tongva and the Gabrielino Keech peoples. I'm now calling this meeting to order. It is 6.01 p.m. Uh, will Katrina Vincent please lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance today? Katrina, you can come to the podium, please, right here. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Madam City Clerk, may we have a roll call, please? Yes, Mayor, thank you. Councilmember Byers. Here. Councilmember Heilman. Here. Councilmember Meister. Here. Mayor Pro Tem Erickson. I did it bad. <laughs> here. He's here. here. Mayor Shine. Present. We have a quorum. City Attorney Langer, please provide the report of our closed session. Yes, thank you. Good evening. The City Council convened a closed session at 5.30 this evening. There were no members of the public to speak on public comment. The City Council discussed one item of business on the posted agenda, conference with labor negotiators under Government Code 54957.6, and took no reportable action this evening. That concludes my report. Thank you. Um, before we move on to the approval of the, the agenda, um, I am recusing myself from voting on agenda item 3A, and Mayor Pro Tem Erickson will preside over the meeting at this time. Mayor Pro Tem Erickson, there is a request from the appellant for item 3A. Uh, to continue this public hearing. Um, and for the record, I would like to indicate that this is the third request for a continuance. Great, thank you, uh, Madam City Clerk. Do my, do my colleagues wish to hear the public hearing tonight? Yes, yes, yes. Great, so we'll hear item 3A in accordance on the agenda, and uh, we'll take a roll call vote for that. Yes, thank you. Uh, so those in favor of moving forward with the public hearing for item 3A, I will now do a roll call vote. Councilmember Byers. Yes. Councilmember Heilman. Yes. Councilmember Meister. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Erickson. Yes. The item will move forward noting the recusal of Mayor Schein. Mayor, there yes. is one additional uh, request to table an item, and that is item 2L on the consent calendar, which is the designation of the local cultural resources. It's a request from the owner. Um, it was sent to the council on July 14th. Um, so that is one of the items to consider also okay. this evening. Okay. Um, I would move to continue that item. There's been no previous request for a continuance, and this is at the request of the property owner, and out of courtesy, I think we should uh, continue this to the next uh, regularly scheduled meeting. I would second that. Okay. okay, so we'll include that with the other items for approval if there are other items to move this evening. Okay. 
Does staff have any other items for uh, to staff, discuss for changes? Staff That's does it? not. Okay. Do my colleagues have any other changes for the agenda this evening? Can we move 6A and 6B to consent? Mm -hmm. Okay. 6A and 6B, are there any uh, objections at all? All right. Uh, anything else? Excellent. And I am not ready to make my direct appointment for 5A for the senior advisory board, so just noting that. If now is the time, I'm also not ready to make a business license commission appointment. Okay. So that would leave the women's advisory board. Um, if we're ready to do that one, we can, or we can table the item to the next meeting. Uh, I think I'm social justice oh, task force. Okay. I think we're ready for the rest, right? I'm not ready for web, but I'm happy to do a social justice task force if that's possible. But if my colleagues want to do web, we can do web. Okay. Since we're waiting. Okay. Um, all right. So we'll sure. So we'll do social justice task force then. Okay. So social justice advisory board for 5A. Advisory board. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> So I have uh, 2L will be tabled to a future city council meeting. 6A and 6B will move to consent and we will do the at-large appointments for the Social Justice Advisory Board. There was a previous motion on the floor from Council Member Heilman and seconded by Council Member Byers. Do you wanna continue with that motion? Okay, so now we will move to a vote. And Melissa, this is the motion to approve uh, tonight's agenda. Okay. Yeah. And just for members of the public, um, the second was from Council Member Byers. So we have tabled item 2L, items 6A and 6B have moved to the consent calendar. We will only be doing the at-large appointments for the Social Justice Advisory Board. And item 3A, the request for a continuance is denied and the public hearing will move forward this evening. All right, thank you. Uh, we will now move to adjournment motions. Uh, Councilmember Heilman, I believe you have an adjournment motion this evening. Yes, Mayor, thank you. I actually have two adjournment uh, motions tonight. First, I would request that we adjourn in memory of Maria Hortensia Chiano, uh, the mother of the, our city's uh, director of finance, Lorena. Uh, she passed away on July 8th at the age of 92. She was born in El Salvador, El Salvador, immigrated to the United States in the 1970s. She and her husband raised her four children and enjoyed the love of her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, and great-great-grandchildren. She loved to cook, tend to her garden, have fun at the casino, and most importantly, she loved to spoil her family. Uh, our sincere condolences go to Lorena and her family during this difficult time. I'd also request that we adjourn in memory of Dr. Susan Love, a surgeon, author, researcher, and activist who was, for decades, one of the most visible public faces in the war on breast cancer. She died on July 2nd at the age of 75. 
uh, in partnership with her foundation, Army of Women. She participated in numerous City of West Hollywood uh, events and programs to highlight Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and I would request that we adjourn in her memory. Thank you, Councilmember Heilman. Uh, so noted, and Councilmember Meister. Thank you. I'd like to adjourn uh, in memory of Gary Sokol, a West Hollywood resident for more than 35 years, passed away suddenly on June 8th at the age of 69. For many years, Gary, a native New Yorker, was a television producer for the E! Network, where he created and produced the long-running and Emmy Award-winning Talk Soup, among others, as well as executive producing and directing many specials. His first play, The Shadow of Greatness, premiered at the Berkshire Theater Festival in 2000 in a production that starred Richard Chamberlain. His second play by Coastal Woman enjoyed a successful run at the Pasadena Playhouse. The second chapter of Gary's life began in 2007 when he left television and began writing fiction. His short stories have been published in dozens of literary journals and he also published several books. In the mid-1980s, Gary moved from New York City to West Hollywood, first on Alfred, then uh, a few years later to Horn Plaza, where he was a resident for over 32 years. He could often be seen walking in the neighborhood with his beloved Rufus, a terrier mix rescue who he leaves behind. Rufus has found a new home with Gary's neighbors in Horn Plaza. Gary also leaves behind his close friend Richard Gitterman, or Gitterman of West Hollywood, his sister Cheryl and her husband Gary, his brother Mark and his husband John, and a niece and nephew. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. Um, Mayor Pro Tem Erickson, you have a German motion yes. this evening? Yes, thank you very much, Madam Mayor. Sadly, I have five. Um, first, I would like to adjourn in memory of William Keller Finkelberg, father to Robert Keller, who passed away on Saturday, July 15th. He was a talented musician and songwriter and we miss by his family. Additionally, I'd like to adjourn this meeting in memory of Catherine Erickson, mother to my cousin Amy Erickson Weinstein, who passed away on July 1st after a long fight with Alzheimer's. Um, I would also like to adjourn in memory of Justin Peacock, husband to Melissa Goodman. Um, Justin was a writer. Melissa is a longtime advocate and activist in both Santa Monica as previously with the ACLU and now with the UCLA Center for Reproductive Law and Justice. Um, he leaves behind her as well as their child. Additionally, Mark Simon, longtime WeHo resident and a former casting director. And last but certainly not least, Reverend Dr. Steve Peters. Um, I, uh, I, I had the great pleasure of knowing Steve for many years. Um, I actually interviewed Steve for my dissertation many, many years ago, and I went back and I listened to the recording um, after I found out Steve passed, and I will treasure that memory, those times with him, as well as the friendship that I gave. Um, Steve was famous for so many things that to summarize his life in any way, shape, and form in a quick sentence is doing it injustice. Um, Steve is very famous for phrasing, um, the, coining the phrase, God is greater than AIDS during the HIV AIDS crisis. Um, a leader and reverend in the Episcopal, in the, in the Episcopal Metropolitan Community Church. Um, and most famously probably for being interviewed by Tammy Faye Baker um, on her television show, which uh, was very 
famous in the most recent movie, um, but most recently, um, uh, when, when I heard Steve recollect that moment to uh, say having um, a religious figure touch someone at that time, he said it was transcendent and it made him feel like he was worthy of God's love. And that really struck a chord with me. And I will miss Steve. He was a big figure in the gay men's chorus. He loved to sing, he loved to sing, and he was so good. He loved I Love Lucy. That man had so many I Love Lucy paraphernalia. And I know he will be missed by many in this community. He was a longtime member of the We Hope Beverly Hills Democratic Club. Um, and a, a personal friend to many in this room and, and many who have come before and many who will come after. So thank you very much, Madam Mayor. Thank you. Any other adjournment motions this evening? All right. So um, we will now move to presentations, starting with a proclamation by Councilmember Heilman to uh, John Kehoe. Thank you, Mayor. Um, this is a bittersweet moment for us. Our uh, good friend, John Kehoe, uh, our Community Development Services Director, is retiring at the end of July. And so this is going to be his last city council meeting with us. He began his career in West Hollywood in 1997. So um, he's been working for us for a long time. And he started as a planner, worked his way up to planning manager, then assistant director, then interim director, and then officially the director in 2019. And under his leadership, uh, the city was named the Plan Planning Agency of the Year uh, by the California chapter of the American Planning Association. He has contributed um, unbelievably to many of our policies, including our policies on the environment, housing, mobility, sustainability, uh, and just land use in general. And he has shepherded so many of these programs um, forward through the city processes. He is also an avid marathon runner, uh, has run the LA Marathon uh, numerous times and uh, participated in the AIDS Marathon uh, raising money for APLA. John's dedication to public service and his commitment to the city has been exceptional and on behalf of my colleagues and I know we've all sparred with you on numerous occasions John um, it's just with a great deal of gratitude that I want to thank you for all of your service to our community, all that you've done for the city and the broader community. Thank you so much and best wishes in your new endeavors. I know you're going to be successful no matter what you do. Please join me in recognizing...
thank you, council members, mayor and mayor uh, pro tem. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you to David Wilson and Lauren Langer. Thank you to um, all the city hall staff. Um, it, it is a dream. It was a dream come true to work in West Hollywood, going as a gay kid from West Texas to West Hollywood. Um, it was a dream come true. So I'm just so proud to have completed most of my career here in West Hollywood. So thank you very much. Next, um, we're, uh, yesterday the city hosted the installation event of the inaugural da Drag Laureate Pickle. <laughs> I wanted to take this opportunity this evening to introduce Pickle at tonight's city council meeting. Uh, Pickle is a powerhouse host, performer, and community activist. She is singing, she's a singing drag queen and comedian who values education, community, and humor. She has been performing in drag professionally for eight years and has collaborated with many people and organizations to bring drag into people's lives. Congratulations again, Pickle. We look forward to seeing the great work you will do. And at this time, I would like to invite Pickle to the dais for a photo and to accept a certificate in recognition of her new role. I would like to begin by thank formally thanking the City of West Hollywood, the Arts Commission, and the City Council for creating the position of Drag Laureate and selecting me to receive this great honor. I vow to fulfill this obligation to the best of my ability. I have briefly outlined four points I intend to make the cornerstone of my tenure, <laughs> the cornerstones. One, promote existing drag culture in the City of West Hollywood through my appearance at events and my interactions with the media, as well as through the development of the event we will produce together as part of the program. Two, empower the drag community by holding quarterly meetings open to established, new, or aspiring drag artists. At these community meetings, we will find out what the obstacles are for drag talent in West Hollywood and what solutions we as a community can come up with. I will present our findings to the arts commissioners for their consideration. Three, expand the opportunities for practicing drag artists in the city of West Hollywood. I hope to use my position as laureate to work with businesses on creating new artistic opportunities that will attract drag talent to practice their craft in this city. I want to ensure that not only is West Hollywood seen as a center of drag, but as a center for cutting edge, innovative drag. Four, explore the possibilities of drag in the landscape of technological innovation. West Hollywood is a city that has historically been ahead of the curve. As I like to say, as goes West Hollywood, so goes California, so goes the nation. Drag can be on the ground floor of innovative emerging technologies, and I aim to have these conversations with practicing drag artists and explore that landscape right here in the city of West Hollywood. Thank you. I look forward to working together.
So, tonight will be the first of a few meetings to recognize outgoing appointed officials. The next recognitions will be in August. At this time, I would like to recognize my outgoing appointee, uh, Jackie Steele. Jackie Steele is a uh, event producer, an activist, a, a comedian, um, an incredible, incredible, incredible human being who always fights for everyone in our LGBTQ plus community and BIPOC folks and really fights for all. Jackie began her service in the city of West Hollywood as a member of the BiPride subcommittee when I served on uh, the LGBTQ advisory board that used to be called LGAP. She went on to serve as a board member of the LGBTQ advisory board and was appointed by Mayor Pro Tem John Erickson and then as my public safety commissioner. The city wants to thank Jackie for her dedicated service to the city of West Hollywood and the LGBTQ plus communities, community. In addition to receiving the outgoing appointee acknowledgement, Jackie was also honored by the League of California Cities LGBTQ Caucus with a Champion of Pride Award. I have the great pleasure of serving as vice president on the LGBTQ Caucus and the League Caucus has asked us to present these recognitions to our community member recipients during a council meeting. At this time, I would like to present Jackie with a proclamation on behalf of the League of Cities LGBTQ Caucus, which reads, whereas the month of June is designated as Pride Month and tribute is paid to LGBTQ plus people across the nation, recognizing them for their immeasurable contributions and whereas LGBTQ plus individuals play critical economic, cultural, and social roles in the lives representing every race, class, and ethnic background and have made historic contributions to the growth and strength of our communities. And whereas the League of California Cities Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, Queer Caucus wishes to recognize and acknowledge LGBTQ plus people in this great state of California for their confidence and continued persistence and leadership, thinking outside oneself while encouraging others and overcoming obstacles encouraged along the way. And now, therefore, be it proclaimed that the 2023 League of California Cities LGBTQ Caucus honors Jackie Steele for the contributions that they have given to their community, their willingness to empower others, and their commitment to making a difference. We honor you as a champion of pride and commend you for all that you do. Now at this time, I would like to invite Jackie Steele uh, to take a photo at the dais with all of us and accept the city plaque for outgoing appointees and the proclamation on behalf of the League of California Cities LGBTQ Caucus.
She's got papers. <laughs> uh, good evening, and thank you, uh, Council and Mayor Shine, so much. I thought quite a bit about what I would say here tonight, and I'm sure you did too. Um, we, <laughs> we talk a lot about pride, uh, but can we say why we are proud? Can we say why we should stay proud? I am proud of my community. I do not permiss them. They do not permiss me because none of us needs permission. I want to say a couple things to the city of West Hollywood first, and that means all of you, not just the current electeds, which come and go with the tides, not just to leaders who are fewer than they think, but to all of us. The city was built so that renters and LGBTQ plus people would have a safe space and a place to belong. We have not always fully kept that promise, and we still have work to do for our community to make it a safe space. When I hosted the anniversary for the West Hollywood Aquatic Club this year, I talked to a lot of the gay men about their history, their struggle, the incredible work John Heilman did, um, and the struggle that they still carry, and I thought a lot about that trauma and the duty of care that we have, same as sitting with folks at the AIDS Stories Monument to share their beautiful stories and history that they experienced and what the city meant to them. And it means so much to so many. That duty of care is something that we must hold. We owe that. The city owes it to the residents, guests. This council owes it. Our mayor owes it. That is something that we must hold true to, that duty of care. We have to recognize the joy, pain, trauma, and need of others. I am proud of the people who show up who get things done. Pickle, you probably may not know this because I've certainly not heard it presented this way, but that Drag Laureate program came through the LGBTQ Plus Advisory Board. It came by a drag queen by the name of Miss Tiger who has somehow been erased in this conversation and when she fought for more money for that particular position, she was called evil and she herself was dragged. I will not let that moment go forgotten and I thank Miss Tiger for her service to the city. And of course, thank you to Lindsay D. and Amito Aviles and the Arts and Cultural Affairs Commission for making that come to life, and congratulations. I want to thank Robert Gamboa, Jason Frazier, all of the folks that make stuff happen in this city, the people who show up, any board and advisory member and commission member who gets anything done, any staff member who returns one more email with an already toppling plate, the Pride Committee who handles so much, Carrie and Megan and Cleo, who still respond to emails and get things done with a smile and just a touch of sass, which we love. And finally, before I exit, I just want to encourage the city to embrace our community in the fullness of community. And remember that safety doesn't look the same for everyone. Inclusion doesn't look the same for everyone. Um, and I ask you to think about that as you're planning things like the Women's Advisory Board, 100th anniversary of the ERA. We have to remember that equal rights did not apply to everyone and hold true to that in those celebrations. Juneteenth is an LGBTQ celebration as it should be a women's celebration as well. We need to find a way forward working inclusively together and and I congratulate the new LGBTQ plus commission. I hope they show up fiercely. And then the final thing I want to say, and thank you to this council for indulging me, to the LGBTQ community at large, how dare you? How dare you ever silence yourself for someone else's comfort? How dare you let them tell you you're too much? How dare you let people with no identity at all refuse to let you celebrate and live yours? We are the troublemakers, the tastemakers, and the brick throwers. The next time someone tells you you're too much, you tell them, baby, I am just getting started. Thank you.
Excellent. Thank you. Thank you all. Um, we're now going to move forward to public comment. The City Council values your comments. However, pursuant to the Brown Act, Council cannot take action on items not listed on the posted agenda. The public comment period is limited to 20 minutes, with two minutes allotted for each speaker. This public comment period is to address the City Council on consent calendar items or items of general interest within the subject matter of the City Council. Another period is also reserved for general comment later in the meeting for those that could not be heard at this time. Public hearing testimony will only be taken at the time of the public hearing. If you signed up to speak on both consent calendar items and general public comment, as well as an item that was moved to the consent calendar, you may take this public comment period to speak on consent calendar items. You may also sign up to speak during the second public comment period for your general public comment. Thank you, Mayor. Our first speaker this evening is Jason Frazier to be followed by Nick Casey. Uh, good evening, my name is Jason Frazier and I am a former resident of West Hollywood and a past co-chair of the LGBTQ advisory board. I stand before you tonight with great honor and immense pleasure as we gather here to celebrate the exceptional achievements of an extraordinary individual. It is my absolute privilege to extend my heartfelt congratulations to Jackie Steele on receiving the prestigious service award from the, from the City of West Hollywood and the West Hollywood City Council. Jackie's unwavering dedication to fostering inclusivity, equality, and, empowering, and, and empowerment within the LGBTQ community is nothing short of remarkable. As the co-chair of the City of West Hollywood's LGBTQ advisory board, Jackie acted as a tireless advocate, a passionate leader, and a true trailblazer. Her commitment to creating a more inclusive society has touched countless lives and has left an indelible impact on our city. Under Jackie's dynamic leadership, the LGBTQ advisory board made incredible strides to ensuring equal rights and opportunities for all. Her vision, coupled with her exceptional ability to bring people together, helped to continue the advisory board's momentum as a beacon of hope and progress. Jackie's remarkable work not only brought visibility to important issues, but also provided a platform for marginalized voices to be heard. Beyond her role as a co-chair, Jackie's dedication extends far and wide, both within and outside our community. She has been a powerful advocate for LGBT youth, working tirelessly to create safe spaces and support networks that uplift and inspire the next generation. Her efforts have empowered countless young individuals to embrace their true selves and pursue their dreams without fear of judgment or discrimination. Jackie, your passion, resilience, and unwavering commitment to justice have inspired us all. Your ability to navigate complex challenges with grace and compassion is truly remarkable. Your infectious enthusiasm and natural leadership have brought about positive change, transforming the lives of so many. Today, we honor you, honor your outstanding service, we not only celebrate your accomplishments, but also express our deepest gratitude with your selflessness, dedica selfless dedication. You have been a guiding light and an ally. Uh, on behalf of the entire community, I extend my warmest congratulations to you, Jackie Steele, as, we, as this well-deserved service award. May it serve as a reminder of the profound impact you have had and continue to have on many lives. Your legacy will endure and your contributions will inspire generations to come. Thank you, Jackie, for your exceptional service. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is Nick Casey, to be followed by Rick Watts. 
Let's please keep the uh, comments to two minutes. Thank you. Thank you uh, very much, uh, Mayor Schein, Mayor Pro Temp Erickson, and council members and staff. Uh, thanks also to Mr. Frazier. That was really beautiful, very eloquently said. Um, I'd like to address members of city council tonight in support of, um, uh, sorry, uh, thank you for letting me take up space and speak on behalf of the newly formed LGBTQ plus commission. I'm here today with my fellow commissioner, um, Patrick. Uh, and so we'd just like to address members of city council tonight in support of the resolution denouncing the Supreme Court's decision for 303 Creative LLC versus Alanis. This ruling has the very dangerous potential to set a precedent that discrimination against LGBTQ plus people as a form of free speech. As a sanctuary city, one founded nearly 40 years ago with a purpose of inclusion and equality, the city of West Hollywood must stand firmly with our LGBTQ plus community and proactively not only speak out against but to fight the discrimination and anti-LGBTQ plus rhetoric that is becoming more alarming in this country with every passing day. We must continue to set the example for others that hate should not and cannot be tolerated at any level. The LGBTQ plus commission for the city of West Hollywood is in solidarity with our fellow LGBTQ plus Americans as we digest the news of this setback by the Supreme Court and hopes the legislative and executive branches of government across the nation will not be putting this unfortunate ruling into action. Thank you very much. Thank you, Nick. Our next speaker is Rick Watts, to be followed by David Nash. Good evening, Rick Watts, City of West Hollywood. Um, at most every city council meeting, um, there are a lot of comments regarding crime and public safety uh, issues of various sorts uh, that, uh, that plague or interest or, or uh, otherwise concern citizens of, of West Hollywood. And um, we depend on our, our, our public safety department, uh, our sheriff's department, our, uh, our fire department, and, uh, and the city government to to address these issues, but no matter no matter what the budgets for for, uh, for these services are, um, they're not going to be enough without the, the the involvement of citizens. And to that end, uh, uh, every year we have something uh, called National Night Out, uh, which yes, it, it, it consists of, of parties and free food and and uh, and raffles and. Uh, and, and that's all important, but the, but the purpose of it is to help build community because involving citizens in building community and getting neighbors to know neighbors um, and getting involved to help to be the, the eyes and ears of the community to, to, to help the various public safety organs uh, do what they need to do to protect us all, whether it's, it's fires or crime or, or whatever, that's where... Uh, National Night, that, that's the real purpose of National Night Out. So I'd like to uh, let everybody know and invite you to attend your local uh, neighborhood night out event, which is coming up this uh, August 1st, uh, just a couple of weeks from now, and uh, encourage you to attend. If you're not uh, already in, involved in a neighborhood watch group, this is your opportunity to sign up and, uh, and get involved. Um, and um, remember, this is your community. 
Um, our event uh, is going to be over at uh, uh, over on uh, uh, Harper, um, just uh, between Santa Monica Boulevard and uh, uh, and Norton. And I encourage everyone to attend their event. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Rick. David Nash to be followed by Jimmy Palmieri. David Nash, longtime West Hollywood resident. First of all, I'd like to thank all of the council for reappointing me to the Disabilities Advisory Board at the last meeting. I'm so happy to live in a city that has a Disabilities Advisory Board, and I'm grateful to have a voice in our community, especially on behalf of other people living with disabilities. I do live in a building that's been uh, remodeled and houses exclusively people with, living with disabilities. And sadly, last weekend, two of our residents passed. Uh, Mayor Pro Tem Erickson already mentioned casting director Mark Simon, who uh, is, was an award-winning Broadway casting director. I happened to be lucky enough to see his magnificent production of Showboat uh, some years ago in San Francisco. It was wonderful. He was a remarkably talented man and will be greatly missed. Also, we lost this weekend Leslie Elriard, who was another heavy hitter in the entertainment industry. He performed on Broadway in the Tony Award-winning production of The Lion King, and not just as someone in the cast, as The Lion King. I hope uh, we'll learn more about Leslie at the next council meeting. Um, I also wanted to give a heads up to my friends at the Aquatic Center, in particular to Cortez and his staff. If any of you haven't taken the trip up there yet to the fifth floor, it's a remarkable achievement. Two big, beautiful swimming pools on the fifth floor. If no matter how old, how young, there's a place for you in one of those two pools. Get out, get up, get in the water, enjoy. Thank you. Thank you, David. Our next speaker is Jimmy Palmieri to be followed by Patrick Diamond. Good evening, Mayor and Council. It's great to see you. Jimmy Palmieri, City West Hollywood. Um, I have to say that I think it's forgotten that Jackie's first volunteer opportunity was with the Tweakers Project, and Mayor Pro Tem Erickson will remember that she was there handing out condoms in lube with us, wearing a tutu. And there was a very famous adult star to the left, who I thought the crowd was gonna come to, and there was Jackie to the right, and all of the gay guys were surrounding Jackie, so it just goes to show Jackie is loved by everyone. Now, I also want to, you, you've all received my email, and I'm, uh, I'm speaking as a citizen, but please listen, and this has been going on for 10 years now. Our meetings need to be, uh, to be televised. I don't care what room it is. I don't care if it's on an iPod. I don't care if it's on a tablet, whatever it is. We had a life-saving Narcan lesson. We had an, an update on HIV Zero, which was incredible, by the way. We had an update on renters' rights and rent stabilization, and we had no one, no one, no one, except our liaison to another board. So these, these alone 
the community would have benefited from. These alone may have saved a life. These alone may have saved someone's rent-controlled apartment. So most of our meetings have, and, and, and Councilmember Byers, you'll know, you know this, most of our meetings have something like that that is only going to benefit the public. So when I hear that there's not enough staff, I don't want to hear it. Get staff, get someone to do it. When I hear it's too much money, I don't want to hear it. We're spending $7 million that people don't know where it's going, and now, because of a trash paper, we're getting bad press. This is the second article in less than two months. So please, consider it and do it. Our next speaker is Patrick Diamond, to be followed by Zakia Wright. Good evening, Council, and good evening, neighbors. On behalf of the West Hollywood Small Business Coalition, I'd like to share a story. Once upon a time, there were six blind men who encountered an elephant for the very first time. Each of them, unaware of what an elephant truly was, approached the magnificent creature from different angles. As they reached out to touch it, each blind man formed a unique understanding based on their own perspectives. The first blind man, touching the elephant's side, exclaimed, an elephant is like a wall. The second, feeling the tusk, said, no, 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 it's more like a sharp spear. The third, holding onto the trunk, argued, you're both wrong, an elephant is like a long snake. And so it continued, with each blind man convinced that their perception was the only truth. Today, we find ourselves in a similar situation. Our city, our West Hollywood is the majestic elephant, and we, community members, small business owners, the council, and leaders are all like the men in this story. We all bring our unique perspectives, shaped by our experiences and our roles in the city. Yet, in order for our community to survive, it is crucial for us to recognize that no single perspective can capture the entirety of our community's needs and our aspirations. In the story of the blind men, while each of them were right, they were also all wrong. Only by setting aside our differences and seeking to understand one another can we truly realize the potential for our great city. Together, we can build an inclusive West Hollywood that respects the interests of all of our residents, our small business owners, fosters thriving small businesses, and preserves our unique culture. Let us remember the lesson of the blind man and the elephant as we navigate these unprecedented times. What's the worst thing that could happen if we all to come together and seek for us to understand? After all, at the end of the day, we all have one thing in common. We're all neighbors. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Our next speaker is Zakia Wright to be followed by Renee Grace Rodriguez. Uh, good evening, uh, Mayor Pro Tem, uh, Mayor and Mayor Pro Tem and City Council. My name is Zakia Wright. I'm a resident of West Hollywood. I'm speaking this evening to congratulate a former public safety commissioner, former co-chair of the LGBTQ plus advisory board, and my amazing partner, Jackie Steele. Um, thank you, City Council, for choosing someone that's more than worthy of recognition. Um, day in and day out, many of us, um, me firsthand, get to watch the countless hours that Jackie spends working on behalf of this community. 
Um, Pride was just one small example of the countless hours, the countless effort that Jackie has spent making sure that this community is represented and making sure this community is heard. I mean, just during Pride, she made sure that uh, she connected um, Cherry Bomb with um, uh, with the chamber to make sure they got some necessary funding that they need. Um, she made sure that, you know, L Project um, and the Women's Freedom Festival, you know, was as big and as amazing as we've been hoping it, it would have been all the years that it was going on. Um, and so, you know, and as her partner, you know, I'm home and I get to hear all of the, the conversations with community members that she has. I get to see how much time she sacrifices from her own life and doing her own things to make sure that people are taken care of. I mean, at sometimes I'm just baffled in how many hours she finds in a day to get as much done as she gets done. Um, and to Jackie, you're so inspiring. Um, just watching you and watching how you inspire others, you know, you call us all to be greater versions of ourselves, and I know that you fight so hard because you care so much. You're relentlessly fair and you're fiery because you know that the community that you're fighting for can't wait for leadership to step up or get it together. So instead, you step up and do it. Thank you, and thank you, City Council. Our next speaker is Renee Grace Rodriguez, to be followed by Jackie Steele, and then we have two speakers in Zoom. Good, good, e good evening. My name is Renee Grace Rodriguez, and I wanted to speak up on the issue of Jackie Steele. Um, I have the pleasure of having worked with her for this past couple of years uh, as part of the Stonewall Democratic Club. Never in my wildest imagination did I ever believe a lesbian Latina would step up and one day be the president, the second time in 40 years, of this Democratic club. But with Jackie's tenacity and the fight that was put forward by all of the leadership in Stonewall, this is not your grandpa's Stonewall club anymore. And I'm very proud of the inspiration that Jackie has given to me and to many of us here to step up. It is not enough for us just to vote. It is not enough just to donate money to your favorite candidate. We must do more. As it's been said here tonight, we must become a community. We must find areas that we can agree upon because it's time to reimagine what community safety looks like, what education looks like, what, ask, what healthcare access, what education, we need to reimagine all of that. And I'm asking all of you on the city council, thank you for bringing your beautiful experiences, the diversity of experiences that you're bringing, but I'm gonna call on you to do more. I want you to challenge that which you do not know or have experienced. I know as finding a half-sister of mine who's African-American and spending two weeks with her, knowing how different her life is because of the color of her skin. I know what it's like to stand next to someone who's trans and be judged because they're not quite what everybody expects them to be. So I ask you, explore outside of yourselves so that you can bring the richest and most diverse experience and understanding to the people that you serve. Thank you for letting me share. Our final speaker this evening in Chambers is Jackie Steele, to be, and then we will move to Zoom. Sorry, just one quick, quick bit. Um, 
I wanted to also thank Jimmy Palmieri uh, for all of his incredible work, but I talked to Jimmy after the last meeting, and um, I want to thank Councilmember Erickson uh, for the item for Overdose Awareness Day. I think that's incredibly important work, and everyone who worked on that. Um, I was discussing with Jimmy that it would be wonderful to see us moving forward as we've incorporated land acknowledgement, regardless of my personal opinions on it, um, as we've made these efforts at looking at how things can be different in the city, I think it would be an amazing use um, an opportunity of public awareness to bring in that Narcan training into city events and city co-sponsored events. So starting those events with things that we do that are standard, you know, the pledge, councils, fight up moments, uh, comments, uh, land acknowledgements, let's add Narcan training to that. If we can save just one life, it is absolutely worth it. So that is my ask. I support that item. Uh, and I also hope that we can look to incorporating that into a bigger picture, which is getting it to as many eyes as possible. That's all. Thank you. We will now move to Zoom for public comment. Our first speaker on Zoom this evening is Yola DeRay, to be followed by Anna Darvish. Yola, you will have two minutes. Please press star six to unmute yourself. Good evening, Council. This is Yola DeRay, for myself, a 30-plus-year resident of West Hollywood. If a man doesn't keep pace with his companions, Perhaps it is because he hears a different drummer. Thoreau eloquently describes so many residents in our community, especially those with disabilities. In October, every year, we honor persons with disabilities, those that have excelled in advocacy and helping individuals, businesses, nonprofits, and the media. I implore you to participate in this year's service award. In the back of the room, the clerk has brought to you forms that you, the public, may fill out in case you might look around the room and honor a person that is your friend your business associate, a nonprofit, or someone in the media that you think is worthy of this award. Look long, look hard, and participate. It is important. And I thank you so much. And by the way, do come to our meetings every fourth Wednesday, except this August. And it will be early. Thanks. Thank you, Yola. Our next speaker is Adam Darvish. Adam, please press star six to unmute yourself. Yes, uh, good evening, uh, Mayor Schein, Mayor Protem, Erickson, and Council and staff. I'm calling to thank Council for having Women's uh, Equality Day uh, on the agenda for considering approval of programming the city's annual Women's uh, Equality Day Cooperation. I am myself proud of the outstanding achievements of women uh, today across the globe. As we watched uh, last year and this year, 
on the news and, and their progress in equality, challenging gender norms, breaking down barriers, and creating opportunities for the future generation. Uh, women, are, women are the icon of courage, hope, and life, and they deserve equality. Thank you so much. Thank you. Our next speaker is Alex Moager, to be followed by Mikey Friedman. Good evening, Mayor Schein, Mayor Pro Tem Erickson, Council Members Meister, Heilman, and Byers. My name is Alex Mahajer, and I'm the president of the Stonewall Democratic Club, which was founded in Los Angeles in 1975 and has had a long and proud history of working with the city of West Hollywood around advancing the rights of the LGBTQ community. I rise tonight virtually, so to speak, to offer my heartfelt congratulations to my friend, colleague, advisor, confidant, and the true champion of the LGBTQ community in Los Angeles County and everywhere, Jackie Steele. Jackie has been an invaluable leader of community here at the Stonewall Democrats, bringing her unique brand of fiery, righteous leadership to our club and making it all the better for it. She has served on our steering committee for many years and in many capacities, but probably her most noted role is the one where she is consistently holding the powerful to account. When it comes to right and wrong, Jackie is unambiguous and fearless, advocating for the needs of our most marginalized members and tirelessly championing their voices and their perspectives. She has made me a better leader, but more importantly, she has made this community, the LGBTQ community, safer and stronger. I have met few people in my life and in my activism who have committed themselves so thoroughly to the work of true LGBTQ equity. And I wonder, what would the city of West Hollywood be without Jackie Steele marching down the aisles of the city council room, a vision of queer royalty replete with flowing capes behind her, drenched in gems and rhinestones to the sound of uproarious cheers and applause at her heels as she takes up the righteous fight and tells things like they are. So tonight, I want to say congratulations, Jackie, on behalf of the entire Stonewall Democratic Club, and thank you for all you have done for me, for our club, for the city of West Hollywood, and for the LGBTQ community at large. Thank you. That is our, the end of public comment. We will move. We have two additional people in Zoom for general. We're going to move them to the second public comment period. Thank you. Now we will move to the city manager's report. Good evening, Mayor, Mayor Pro Tem, and City Council members. Um, I just have a few updates, but first I wanted to also acknowledge John Kehoe's retirement, um, John's dedicated work and service to this community. Uh, <laughs> let's try that. <laughs> well, let me try that again. Um, I just wanted to acknowledge John Kehoe, John's dedicated work and service to this community. It's, going to have a huge impact on our built environment for years to come. So I just want to thank John. John, it's been an honor working for, with you over the past two decades. Um, just a few other comments. And um, John is irreplaceable, but we are working towards replacing his position. Um, it is the community development director is a very important position, and we've begun the recruitment already and um, expect to have that position filled in the next couple of months. 
Um, just a couple of other comments. Um, the sheriff station conducted a catalytic converter uh, etching event on Saturday, July 8th. Uh, 90 vehicles participated. For more information on future events, please uh, email safety at weho.org. Um, and then as Rick Watt talked about, National Night Out is happening this year. It's on August, Tuesday, August 1st. Um, there will be nine public events. They were just approved on tonight's agenda. Um, so you can go to weho.org backslash NNO for National Night Out uh, to get more information on those events. Um, and then lastly, uh, the city was made aware of numerous uh, posting on, postings on city polls uh, over the last few days. Um, these were primarily on the east side and they referenced uh, Bash Back. Uh, if you see any of these type of postings or any type of graffiti that is promoting hate, um, please note, call the city's uh, graffiti hotline at 323-848-6557 um, or use the official city app to report it. Um, the city will immediately remove such materials and report them to the sheriff's station. And that concludes my report. Thank you so much. Uh, now we will move to the fiscal impact on consent calendar. Madam City Clerk, what is the Im fiscal impact on tonight's consent calendar? Thank you, Mayor. The fiscal impact on tonight's consent calendar with the removal of item 2L and the addition of items 6A and 6B is $9,000 in expenditures, $0 in revenue, and $4,954 in waived fees. There is a motion and a second on the floor to approve tonight's before, consent. Before oh, we go yes, on, I think Council Member Meister has a comment. Yeah, I just okay. want to note my no vote on items 2D as in dog and 2E related to a 9201 Sunset Boulevard billboard. I'm not quite sure when I'm supposed to do that with our new format, so I figured I'd just jump in. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, as part of the approval of the consent calendar, we will indicate your no votes on those two items. Thank you. All right, we'll take a vote then. The consent calendar passes, noting the no vote of Council Member Meister on items 2D and 2E. Thank you. Uh, now we're moving on to public hearings. Since the proposed project uh, for item 3A is within 500 feet of my residence and the construction associated with the project will affect my daily life, I spoke with the city attorney and we agreed that I would recuse myself from item 3A. Mayor Pro Tem Erickson will handle in my absence and then I'll be back after. Have fun. <laughs> All right, thank you everyone. We will now hear a public hearing, item 3A, appeal of the Planning Commission's approval to demolish all existing structures on the property, which encompasses a religious facility, banquet facilities, and a school building, and construction of a new five-story, 90-unit apartment building over subterranean parking at 1305-1317 Crescent Heights Boulevard. The public hearing is now open. Do my colleagues have any disclosures? I've been to the site many times. Many times. Yeah, I drove by the site and uh, we received correspondence from the applicant as well as members of the public. Been to the site.
I received correspondence, had no conversations. Thank you. Thank you. And I have the same disclosures. I drive by the site. I've been to the site. I know the site. And I have received the several correspondence from the members of the public. Madam City Clerk, how was this hearing noticed? as required by law, Mayor Pro Tem. Thank you so much. Well, our amazing staff representatives, please introduce yourself and present the staff report. We'll go easy on you, John, just tonight. <laughs> Good evening, Mayor Pro Tem Erickson and members of the City Council. <clears throat> I'm Adrian Gallo with the City's Current Planning Division. <clears throat> the item before you tonight is the appeal of the Planning Commission's approval to demolish the building's on the property in order to construct a five-story, 90-unit rental apartment building with 14 units of affordable housing located at 1305 through 1317 Crescent Heights Boulevard. On the screen is an aerial overview of the subject property, which is located on the northwest corner of Crescent Heights Boulevard and Fountain Avenue. The development in this area consists mostly of high-density multifamily structures from two to three stories in height. The project is designed in two-stepped buildings arranged in an L-shaped configuration, including one orientated east-west and fronting onto Crescent Lance Boulevard to the east, and the other orientated north-south and fronting onto Fountain Avenue to the south. Separated by a breezeway corridor, both buildings step up from three to five stories toward where the rear of the project site. A bridge connects the two buildings at each level. The residential buildings include a total of 55 one-bedroom units, 31 two-bedroom units, and four two-bedroom townhome units. Vehicular, sorry, vehicular access to the lower parking levels is on the north side of the property where there is a, a two-way driveway ramp from Crescent Heights Boulevard. Because the application is providing 14 affordable units on site, the project qualifies for up to three concessions. The applicant requested only one concession, an additional 7.5 feet of height and one, story, one additional story to bring the allowed building height to 52 feet, 6 inches, and 5 stories. On November, 20, on November 17, 2022, the Planning Commission considered the subject property at a public hearing. After a long and thorough deliberation, the Commission voted 6 to 1 to approve the project. An appeal of the Planning Commission's decision was filed by Lynn Russell on November 28, 2022. The appellant asserts that the property at 1317 Crescent Heights Boulevard should have been reviewed by the Historic Preservation Commission at a potential, as a potential cultural resource. The property contains two buildings, one that houses Temple Bethel, a preparatory college, and Toru College in the South Building, which was built in 1952, and two banquet hall spaces, Neiman Hall and Sapper Hall, in the North Building, which was built in 1968. The facility was extensively remodeled in 2000. The structures on the subject property were evaluated as part of the city's 2016 Commercial Historic Resources Survey, prepared by GPA Consulting, and a signing status code of 6C, found ineligible for a national register, California register, or a local designation through, thorough, through survey evaluation. It is not professional practice for a Department of Parks and Recreation survey form to be created for properties with a status code of 6C. During an intensive level survey, the address, sorry, during an intensive level survey, the address range for the property is 1305 through 1317 Crescent Lines Boulevard. This address is listed in the survey under 1305 Crescent Lines Boulevard. In 2016, GP identified the site as a religious property. 
and the National Park Service guidance for evaluating properties for historical significance indicates that a religious property requires justification on architectural, artistic, or historical grounds to avoid any appearance of judgment by government about the validity of any religion or belief. GPA concluded that the property lacks, lacked the architectural, artistic grounds, sorry, architectural, artistic, or historical grounds necessary to be eligible for designation at the national, state, or local level. The research also indicated that Hollywood Temple Bethel was founded in the early 1920s and services were originally held at their first purpose-built synagogue at 1508 North Wilton Place in LA. Because the other existing property has a more significant association with the congregation and no other potential significant associations were identified, GPA concluded the property at 1305 through 1317 Crest was not eligible for designation. Since the property had been evaluated as a valid historic resource survey, in a valid, valid historic resource survey and found to be, to be ineligible for designation, and there was no other evidence of historic eligibility presented either in the city files or presented by the public, staff reached the conclusion that the subject site was not a potential cultural resource. Therefore, the project was not within the purview of the Historic Preservation Commission. Nevertheless, in response to the appeal, in addition to the, and in addition to the information provided in the 2016 Historic Resources Survey, the city asked GPA to prepare an in-depth assessment of the property. In the memorandum, GPA reviewed and expanded upon the results of the 2016 finding, stating the synagogue does not possess innovation in design, nor does it appear to be an example of a unique or influential style or type from the period. Rather, it is merely a continuation of a trend in modern synagogue design that was established at least a decade prior to its construction. There is, no, there is also no evidence that the buildings represent the work of a master architect, nor is the subject property directly associated with the historical contributions or of significant personages or events. Following additional research... Please allow the staff presentation to go on without any interruptions. This is your first warning. Thank you. Following additional research and analysis, GPA concluded that the property does not appear to be eligible for individual listings on the National Register, California Register, or as a City of West Hollywood cultural resource, and recommended that the property retain a status code of 6C. The city's on-call historic preservation consultant, Chato, peer-reviewed the GPA memorandum and, con and concurred with GPA's conclusions. Accordingly, staff believes the appellant's assertion that the subject site contains a potential cultural resource and should have been the purview of the Historic Preservation Commission has no merit. Staff finds that the appellant did not provide new evidence or documentation of errors or otherwise identified unsupported findings substantiating the basis for the appeal. Staff along with qualified historic preservation professionals conducted additional analysis of the subject site in response to the appeal and found no new evidence to support the conclusion that the property is eligible for a cultural resource designation at the national, state, or local level. Therefore, based on the foregoing, staff recommends the City Council adopt a resolution denying the appeal and upholding the Planning Commission's decision to approve the project's entitlements. Thank you, and I'm here to answer any questions you may have, as well as the City's on-call historic preservation consultant. Thank you so much, Adrian. Um, do my colleagues have any questions for staff? I'll start to my right. Councilmember Meister? Thank you. 
Thank you, uh, Mayor Pro Tem. Uh, so my first question is, uh, it seems to me that the only assertion in the appeal relates to the process of identifying the historic research, uh, resource. Is that what we're reviewing today? Correct. Okay. And is the fact that the site includes a religious facility relevant to historic preservation? Hello, my name is Nils and Young Board. I work uh, for Chattel Incorporated. I'm the on-call historic consultant. Uh, I believe your question was the fact that is, it is a religious institution, if that is grounds for historic designation. Correct. Uh, the answer is no. Uh, National Register guidelines state that a religious property requires justification on architectural, artistic, or historic grounds uh, in order to avoid any appearance of judgment by government about validity of any religion or belief. So in other words, they, it has to be secular. Not necessarily secular, but it, uh, um, it has to have uh, uh, directly associated with significance that affected the age or uh, contributed to developmental history um, of, of things like that. And the temple was located in several other locations prior to this location. Correct. And was one of them uh, given his, historic um, uh, yes. Designation. Yeah, uh, yes, I'm, I'm not sure if it was designated. However, it was identified in Survey LA uh, as significant, um, uh, as, um, uh, or, yeah, for significant. Um, and Because that's and, when it all started, and that's where all the... It, I believe it started in a house, uh, but the house was demolished. Um, but then in the 1920s, they constructed a new temple, their first temple, um, uh, and they were there for multiple decades before they moved to this location. Okay, and um, did anyone, uh, this is for staff, did anyone raise the historic issue on the June 9th, 2021 neighborhood meeting? No. Okay, and then prior to June 9th, 2021, that neighborhood meeting, did anyone ask to designate the temple or the site as a local, state, or national historic resource? The interest came about when the first public hearing was uh, noticed to nominate the building. I'm sorry, say that again? The interest to nominate the building came about when the first public hearing notice went out to the public. In what year? Oh, for it, it, 2022. 2022, right. okay, thank you. Those are my questions for now. Thank you so much. And to clarify, that first public hearing was the Planning Commission meeting in 2022? Yes. Thank you. Uh, Councilmember Byers, no questions? Councilmember Heilman. I have one question. It's not necessarily related to the appeal, but the wing of the building that is uh, at the uh, on Crescent Heights near the corner there, the it's looking kind of brownish in our, it, it appears to be on stilts of some sort. Um, Correct. And I'm just worried, um, you know, we've been going through a whole process of retrofitting uh, a lot of buildings that were built that way back in the day because of earthquake safety. Is, is have you looked at this and are you confident that from a building standpoint and an earthquake safety standpoint, that that will be structurally sound. It'll need, it'll need to be oh, sorry. It'll need to be designed for that. But the architect is here to speak on that on that matter. Okay, and I'm sure that it has to go through our building and safety process as well. Correct. Okay. Thank you. That was my only question for now. My only question is: is what is the anticipated construction timeline? They haven't mentioned that to me, but we can ask them when they speak. 
Sounds good. Thank you so much. Any other questions from my colleagues for staff at this time? Nope. All right, so now the appellant will be given five minutes to present their appeal. I believe Ms. Russell is on Zoom. That is correct. Okay. She will be telephone only. Telephone only, okay. And Lynn, if you can hear me, um, we'll start whenever you uh, go. <laughs> Lynn, please press star six to unmute yourself. Lynn, go ahead, you'll have five minutes. Hi, before I start, um, there seem to be very significant lapses in uh, reception between online, the phone, and even as opposed to my cell phone. So there's, um, I, I, I hope we're up to par now because I've gotten bits and pieces of, of the discussion up until this point. But nevertheless, I'll start. There, Good just, evening. Here. Lynn, if you want me to clarify, there is about a 90-second delay between where we are Sorry. in the meeting and the broadcast. Sorry? There's about a 90-second delay between what is happening in council chambers and what you see on WeHo TV. But go I ahead. I hope you'll be able to hear me because what, what you're telling me is just totally garbage, but, garbled, but nevertheless, let's, let's get going here. Okay. Uh, Mayor Pro Tem Erickson and fellow council members. This is Lynn Russell from West Hollywood. I, of course, would prefer to be present, but due to some unusual circumstances, uh, it is uh, not possible, and so uh, I'm not exactly in top form either, but here we go. This appeal is focusing on the accuracy of the process and the protocol. I am not discussing any aspects of religion, beyond the, beyond, um, uh, the, uh, uh, the staff report. There seems to be no legitimate reason for community members to be required to endure the duress of an appeal when a timely, concise, and reasonable request for continuance is provided the day prior to a hearing. I did such um, a, a submission the day before the planning commission meeting, and I will choose a few excerpts from it which were included in your, um, in your packet. Um, it is one of four parcels comprising the property and consolidated into the 1317 North Crescent Heights address. Although the property was reviewed on the commercial survey, it surprisingly received a 6Z as in zebra status code, the possible result of some unknown factors. Beyond the survey, a property of this stature architecturally and as a religious facility rightfully deserves an individual cultural um, resource assessment, which theoretically makes it clear to the public at large and specifically to the surrounding neighborhood. This was not properly ex executed. And um, uh, going on, the request should rightfully give a transparent review of the property made available to the public. It should therefore come under review by the Historic Preservation Commission first. Inconsistent policy only serves to bring more question as to the accuracy and validity of the process presumably put in place for clarity 
and understanding by the public and participants. Rightful protection of our cultural heritage is an important aspect for any evolving community, but the process should be thoughtful, accurate, and not perceived as arbitrary. Uh, moving along, I, this uh, consideration of the request did not happen. It, uh, the particular interval that it should have been considered was just blown through by the commissioners, unfortunately due to their um, actual ignorance about the protocol and procedure of the continuous. And despite several conversations in the past with Jennifer Alkire on explicit occasions, I understood the proper procedure, when to intervene, how to get commissioners to intervene at the proper time during acceptance or prior to acceptance of the agenda. But this just did not happen. Uh, and it should be up to par and clearly defined and understood by the deciding body, whether it's the Planning Commission or the City Council. Um, during the item discussion that evening at planning, I also made another statement and presented another document which is in your packet, and I pointed out the, um, the result of this not having been an accurate and careful process. And many times the explanations are cloaked in some sort of word salad and very lengthy staff reports, but these things, items should be actually clear. So I mentioned five or six properties that had unfortunately gotten caught up in this um, faulty process. And um, the sad results spoke for themselves because those properties and, and structures were eternally lost due to um, failure to maintain an even-handed uh, process and also something that's been mentioned several times, a knowledgeable staff member conversant in the essence of historic preservation elements. So the sad results speak for themselves. Uh, moving forward, uh, <clears throat> fortunately the staff report re provided you in your packet a discussion between Commissioner Kimberly Copeland and Ms. Alkire on the specifics about the continuance without any satisfactory result. City Attorney Isaac Rosen also intervened, but after much discussion, nothing was decided. So here we have a historic preservation ordinance, which I believe this project has been a violation of. Lynn. Improper and faulty historic resource assessment that is Lynn. required by an unbiased entity. Meter. third, proper view of Lynn, your five minutes were up. I tried to tell you twice, so we have muted you on Zoom. That is the protocol, you're given five minutes, so we're now going to move to the applicant who will be afforded five minutes, and then we'll go to public comment followed by rebuttal. So I will now move to the applicant. I believe Mr. Lewis is here, as well as Patrick Teague, who is the architect for the project. Thank you. Um, good evening, Mayor and members of the City Council. My name is Michael Lewis, and I'm a consultant who's been working with the applicant on this project for more than a decade. 
The site has a long history with the city and the neighbors since it was acquired by the Iranian American Jewish Center from Temple Beth El in 1999, when Temple Beth El's declining membership was no longer able to maintain the property. In order to minimize impacts on the neighbors from our much larger congregation, we have been operating under self-imposed limitations on hours of operation, frequency of events, and access limitations, which are becoming untenable as the demand for a location for a glot kosher facility for Jewish celebrations increases every year. The facilities available at this site, a preparatory school, a Jewish college, a thousand seat synagogue, meeting and banquet facilities for 600 persons, and only 140 parking spaces, is just not compatible with the surrounding residential development for anyone wishing to make full use of the property. The council had previously approved construction of a parking structure at the site, which would have resolved a lot of the nuisance, noise, and traffic complaints. A neighboring property owner challenged the city approval, and the courts canceled the conditional use permit. After evaluating many alternative developments, including a parking structure across the street with banquet and meeting facilities and ample parking, we concluded that redevelopment of the site and location of the synagogue and ancillary facilities to somewhere, another location was the best outcome for the temple and the neighbors. The near unanimous approval of the Planning Commission for this project has been appealed, claiming that there is some basis for a historic designation for the site. Multiple reviews by your city historic consultant have indicated that there is simply no basis for such a designation based on local, state, and federal guidelines. The city has already approved the development of a residential building on the parking lot across the street, further reducing the availability of parking for this site and necessitating its redevelopment. We would ask that the council deny the appeal and uphold the approval of the Planning Commission for development of the residential units on this site. And I'd like to introduce our architect, Patrick Tai, to address the highlights of the proposal and address the questions that the council raised previously. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Good evening, Mayor Pro Ten Erickson and council members. I'm Patrick Tai, Tai Architecture, and it's a pleasure to be here tonight and a privilege to be part of this project. We've been working on this building for the past eight years. The project has gone through many iterations and we're proud to present the latest. I wanna thank planning staff, the city architect, the planning commission, the neighborhood groups, and everyone that has contributed along the way. Uh, the building is pulled away from the street at the corner, providing generous outdoor spaces that are both public and private. The proposed landscape strategy responds to the corner conditions of the adjacent properties. All three sites with their open corner conditions combine to create a larger urban landscape gesture at the prominent intersection. The terrace is raised above the street. By pulling the building back away from the street, a good portion of the landscape is planted in native soil, allowing for mature growth and fostering the idea of a real urban habitat on the site. A series of diagrams that explain the massing. This shows the maximum allowable massing. This is what one could build on the site. We propose an L-shaped configuration, pushing the building back from the street, creating a huge courtyard. The circulation through the building is open air and open at the two ends. The building has two front elevations, one at Crescent Heights and one at Fountain. The building is terraced from, the, from one end of the slope site to the other, and the building composition is a series of voids within the massing. The render shows the building at Crescent Heights. The building really is a backdrop for landscape, and this project provides six times the required amount of open space that's required. A transparent volume floats above the landscape at the corner of the site, and this is an up-close view that shows the integration of the landscape. The glass pavilion is wrapped with an exterior screening of vertical slats. The program diagram shows 90 residential units stacked and terraced above the subterranean parking. 
Uh, durable, sustainable materials are used throughout. This is the elevation of Crescent Heights, and this is the elevation of Fountain. A view of the courtyard uh, where resident amenities open to the outdoors, further activating the outdoor space. And then a swimmer's pool and spa are located at grade high above the street for privacy. To conclude, 1317 Crescent Heights is a simple building that serves as a backdrop for much larger ideas for landscaping in our city. And in addition, uh, the building will provide 90, to, uh, 90 new residences for the community. And I, I want to thank you. Thank you so much. Melissa, how many members of the public have signed up to speak? In chambers, I have 13, and I have one individual, I believe. Two in Zoom. Two in Zoom. Thank you so Mayor much. Pro Tem, yes. can I ha uh, ask a couple of questions to the of applicant? Of course. Thank you. Uh, Mike Lewis, you're here still? Okay. Um, I had two questions. One is, uh, when, did the, uh, when did the applicant inform the tenants of intentions to redevelop this site with this particular project? Um, the tenants have known for some time, actually a couple of years ago, uh, because we thought w the previous previous iterations of this would move much faster. So everybody's been on notice and month to month for several years, including some of the commercial properties down the street that use the parking lot during the day for their customers. Thank you. And then, uh, I don't know if you remember, it was a long time ago when the, when the garage project was proposed, and I believe it was 2009 or 2010, I want to say, around there. Um, was the idea of historic uh, that the religious facility, the building was uh, historic. Was that brought up at that time? In other words, how the, you know, that we always, when we talk about historic preservation and we have a new development, we talk about how it impacts uh, a property that might, might have a historic um, a value. So was that brought up at that time? Because I, I don't recall that, no, but I was, just want to confirm that. No, it was that. not. This is the first time it's come up very recently. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, Councilmember Meister. Do any of my other colleagues have questions for the applicant or the appellate? Nope. All right. Um, seeing that we have 13 members in the chamber and two on Zoom, um, we are now going to receive public comment from any persons in the audience who wish to speak on this matter. You will have two minutes. Uh, to address the council, if you haven't already, Melissa uh, can help you sign up, and we're gonna do the Zoom public comments first. Thank you, Mayor Pro Tem. Um, and just to assist our appellant, I want to uh, reiterate, Lynn, I sent you an email. Again, if you would like full access to Zoom, I can provide that to you. This way you would be hearing everything in real time in chambers. Um, the other thing that I would ask you to do that might help is to turn off your device that you're watching this and simply listen to the meeting through Zoom so that you know exactly where we are. Um, and we're going to go to public comment, as I indicated, and then we'll give you your two minutes for rebuttal. So now I will turn it over to and, Janet. To and what we'll do if Lynn is in mid-sentence, we'll try to get her to be able to stop wherever she is so she has the ability to stop, you know, not so abruptly, but we'll try to make that so that way she can finish where she's going. So, Janet, thank you. Will do. Thank you. Our first speaker on Zoom for this item is Mark Howell to be followed by Jamie Francis. Mark, you will have two minutes. 
please press star six to unmute yourself. Hi, hi. First, I'd like to. Hi. Go ahead. First, I'd like to thank you. Thanks so much. First, I'd like to thank the council for its thoughtful consideration of the arguments, both for and against the proposed project. Your staff report demonstrates that you've done your job. My name is Mark Howell. I'm a former resident of West Hollywood, a business owner in West Hollywood, and I maintain an office inside the city. And I'm a huge preservationist. Clearly, I've restored several apartment buildings and homes to the highest standards in the city of Los Angeles, and I've been a steward for the protection and preservation of La Fontaine for 20 years now. My, my restorations have been featured from Curb LA to the New York Times, so I hope I have something uh, to add to this conversation. I love old buildings. I've saved more than my share of them, and I recognize that an argument can be made to save every building that was ever built. But there are far greater and more powerful arguments to be made for judicious and honest evaluation of which original buildings deserve to be protected. Uh, I can't speak to the process. I've heard some arguments uh, around that, and I can't speak to that. But I will say that this temple is not among those buildings. As a piece of architecture, um, I have friends who go there, and I think the word they used was Shanda, and I think the members uh, at large who manage the temple would agree the proposed building is a stunning piece of architecture, and it will replace a conglomeration of buildings with virtually no architectural merit, none at all. It's been demonstrated there's no important history that needs to be protected, and I don't see a reasonable argument to be made to preserve this property other than saving it to maintain the status quo. This city needs to change and grow, and the benefits of this project to the city have been enumerated and championed on many occasions in this forum. I won't repeat those points. They've just been made by Michael Lewis. It's a great project. It's a project that West Hollywood will be proud of. Residents will be lucky to call it home, and we'll be lucky to be its neighbor. I'll simply say this. The month or year of construction will be challenging, to say the least, but the hardship and the downside of that construction process will be felt most profoundly in three places. The property directly north, the properties abutting these parcels to the west, and the property directly south, our property, La Fontaine. I'm speaking for the owners, and we will feel the impact most of this project. Our residents, thank, our colleagues. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Your time is up. That's it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Our next speaker on this item is Jamie Francis. Jamie, you will have two minutes. Please press star six to unmute yourself. Thank you. Good evening, Council. I, I wanted to say that uh, in circumstances of building, I've advocated because of affordable housing being an issue in the city. Um, however, in regards to this complex, I have to take a stance to say that because of the mitigating factor of how large it encompassed and it abuts, I live on Havenhurst Drive, and because I live, you know, practically 800, 900 feet, I never got any notification. Um, about this, and yet I see what happened with 8150 before that had that dissolution um, with owners, um, how people commute up and down my street, and it's horrendous. Uh, if you look at the statistics, um, the, the hit and run rate on Havenhurst off of Fountain and Crescent Heights is one of the highest in the city. There's always some kind of collision. We pay the, the effects of it, and with a massive construction like this, it's, be, it's going to become a construction zone, a behemoth like 8150. Maybe not to the degree, um, but it's something to be considerate about because of the residents uh, and how close we are in proximity to this development. The developer should have done a better job. Um, here we have 8150, then we have what's happening right on Parker on Sunset, now you have this. So you have potentially three major projects within 
1,000 feet north and south. That's but Fountain, Crescent Heights, then you have Sunset, and then you have Hayhurst. And we're going to feel the brunt of that traffic. This is not supposed to be a thoroughfare. This street is not supposed to be a thoroughfare. It is a residential zone. And yet here we feel we pay the consequence of that because we bought L.A. City and this other side of West Hollywood. Um, you know, people have historical value um, when it comes to other properties or designations. This should have already been addressed. I don't know how this keeps on being passed to and fro. I don't understand how they make concessions and then they make changes or then it's not addressed and then it goes to the Planning Commission, then the, the Council. There had to be more organization to this because you can see the ramifications of what happens with construction. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Toxicity. Thank, thank you, Jamie. Your time is up. Thank you. We will now move to public comment in chambers. Our first speaker in chambers is Eben Alabaster. And Melissa, are we giving three minutes or two minutes? Two. Okay, thank you. Hi, Eben Alabaster. I'm a resident of West Hollywood for 56 years. I was looking at this flyer that the city sent out for this hearing and I'm really confused. Several years back when the I AJF wanted to build a parking structure at 1317 Havenhurst. There was, there, I got a plat map from the city which showed that there was a five foot setback on Crescent Heights. You can't see any five foot setbacks on this. So I went and I went and I checked online and that five foot setback is still there all along Crescent Heights. So what's going on with that? Also, at the building, the condo building at 1328, they're back two units, use part of the setback on 1317 Crescent Heights for their gardens. That has been in, it has been used in notorious possession, notorious possession, that's an easement. And if you go to the parking lot, you can see that they've been using it for the last 30 some years when that building was converted. So they've been using it as actual possession. So they have a setback, an additional setback in the back of the lot, and they have a setback along the whole area of Crescent Heights. Also, I'm concerned about your uh, access and ingress into the unit, into this building. There's another project that's going on on Fountain and Fairfax. There's the 8150 project that will be happening has a, has a traffic study been done? Have they, have they projected what this other traffic would give on Fountain? Fountain is almost impossible to get through now. They have an entrance on Fountain, they have an entrance on Crescent Heights. You're gonna have a big development at the top of Crescent Heights. You have another development going on at Fairfax and Fountain, and there's a dozen other buildings right off of Fountain all along in West Hollywood. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Our next speaker is Judson Fetter to be followed by Mike Nazarian. Good evening, Mayor Pro Tem, City Council. Speak my right into the mic. Okay. Thank you. Um, my name is Judson Feeder. I'm a resident of West Hollywood and I'm speaking this evening on behalf of the West Hollywood Preservation Alliance in support of the appeal filed by Lynn Russell related to the Temple Beth Elk um, complex. The Alliance urges the City Council to obtain a fair, independent, and third-party historic resource assessment before allowing any demolition permits to be issued. 
Using the firm of GPA Consulting to now conduct a quick and dirty new assessment is inappropriate. GPA Consulting lacks credibility with respect to this project because their 2016 citywide commercial historic resources survey misidentified and dismissed as ineligible the entire complex as if it were a building built in 1968. In appendix three, page 105 of the 2016 survey, GPA Consulting described the complex as built in 1968 and assigned a code of 6Z to the parcel, indicating all the buildings on the parcel were not eligible for historic designation. The 2016 survey conflated the temple and the newer buildings on the same large parcel as one address, 1305 North Crescent Heights. In fact, the complex includes the corner West Hollywood College Preparatory School, the Temple Bethel Main Synagogue, Sapper Hall Chapel, and Neiman Hall. Whereas, this, this, whereas some buildings on the, on the parcel might have been constructed in 1968, the temple and preparatory build, school buildings were built in 1952. Despite information submitted to the Planning Commission before the decision that is subject to this appeal, pointing out that the 2016 survey had inappropriately lumped together the temple's complex's four structures as if it were a single 1968 building, the Commission simply accepted the recommendation to permit de demolition. Similarly, the Alliance and others alerted the Commission that GPA Consulting had failed to prepare the California State Department of Park Parks and Recreation Historical Survey forms, DPR 523 forms for each structure on the parcel. Adequate preparation of such forms would include analysis of each building, Thank which could you. Have undercut the justification for summarily assigning 6C code to the entire parcel. Thank you. Thank you. Mike Nazarian to be followed by Alan Nazarian. Good evening to the mayor and the council. Uh, I, my name is Mike Nazarian. I'm the past president of the uh, Iranian American Jewish Federation. And at presently, I am the chairman of the board of director. Uh, the proposed residential uh, development is supported by the board of Iranian American Jewish Center, and the owner of the property is the Iranian American Jewish Center. Uh, Iranian American Jewish Center acquired this property from Temple Bet El. The only reason was because they did not have enough people in that building. The participation of the synagogue has diminished, and they had like, I don't know, 30, 40 people. When we came into this country, wholeheartedly, everybody supported the synagogue, and people attended. Unfortunately, gradually attending the synagogues, most probably the churches as well, has been going down, especially after the COVID. It's diminished, it's gone down. Their participation has gone down to 10 or 15 or 20 people. They can justify that. Uh, uh, we have made every effort, I personally have made every effort to uh, support the tenants, especially Temple Bet El, reduce the rent, First, originally gave them a lowest rent 
of $3,000 to use the chapel and the whole facility. That doesn't even pay for the electricity. Thank I you. I think I should have extra one minute because I'm a... No, I... I because I'm a... Thank you, Mr. Nazarian. You're speaking as a member of the public and it's two minutes. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is Alan Nazarian to be followed by Amir Samani. Alan, just hold on one second. So here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to do what just happened because we're going to show respect to what everyone is saying when they get up here for their two minutes. So I will ask for decorum in the chambers so you have the same respect when you speak so that way it's universal. And I will stop you. I will issue you a warning for disrupting the council meeting. And if you get more than two, you will be asked to leave. I don't want to do that, but we're going to make sure everyone has a right to be heard and respected for what they have to say. Thank you, Alan. Please go forward. Uh, good evening, uh, <clears throat> uh, City Council and, and Mayor. I'm former resident of West Hollywood, uh, a former member of IAJF, ele elected member, and uh, I've been following this project many years. Uh, we try to make it work as a banquet hall. We try to get parking. It didn't work. Uh, you know, we, we love the tenants there. Uh, we want to see them move, move successfully to another location where they can make it, where they can pay rent. Uh, it's just, it's not working here. And this project does everything we want it to do. It, it uh, allows us to uh, build our emergency fund, which uh, goes towards homelessness in our community, drug addiction, mental health. This is what the city needs. It doesn't need an empty synagogue. It's giving 14 uh, uh, low-income units. Uh, people need housing. We need housing in this city. It's an emergency. Homelessness is an emergency. Uh, uh, you know, they moved from Wilton to here, and they can move somewhere else. It's, it's 10, 20 people uh, that need to find a new synagogue. There's a, a Chabad a couple blocks away. They can easily go there. There's a temple, a temple uh, Kol Ami on La Brea. They can go there. They'll gladly accept them. There are 10 people. It's not a lot, 20 people. But we need this project to succeed. It's going to empower our emergency fund, which is going to be a huge boost for our community. Uh, this is a truly unique project, and I implore you to, to pass it. Thank you very much. Our next speaker is Amir Samani, to be followed by Ludmila Pravdina. Good evening, and good evening, Mayor. My name is Amir Samani, and I am an owner of a properties in the city of West Hollywood. Um, I don't have a speech prepared for anyone. I'm just deeply saddened that opposition of this site comes from Jews, from ourselves. Yet, by the construction of this building, the funds that are provided are for not just the Jewish community, but anyone who, re who requires help. Those funds that come from this building, from this facility, helps people who are in need to eat, people who need medical attention. The Emergency Jewish Fund has helped countless amount of people, myself included, 
to, to get off of their feet. Yet, the very people that we've helped, the fundamental humans that we have helped, are opposing a project that will help them in the future. I don't know what will happen to me when I am older. I don't know what my children will do to me with my assets. But I do know this, that if the Iranian Jewish Federation is here, I have the support of this federation to help myself and other people like me to go out and get a hand. This is not about religion. We don't help only Jews. We help everyone, Muslim, Buddhist, whatever your religious belief, we are here to help you. And that is the importance of the Iranian Jewish Fund. We help everyone. Thank you for your time. Our next speaker is Ludmila Pravdina, to be followed by Philippa Mora. Good evening. Uh, I'm an immigrant, 34 years. I'm a resident of West Hollywood. I was in front of Planning Commission and these people before in November, I believe. And uh, I'm a chairperson chair of the West Hollywood College Prep. And when the previous uh, person said about, this is about 10 to 20 people, or other people brought the point, this is about building only, this is about real people. And about school, where we have 80 students today. Part of the students from Ukraine, they're refugees. We allow them to study, we support them with scholarships. And it's about teachers at this school. So it's not about 10 to 20 people at Temple. And Temple is beautiful, architectural. And I, my previous experience in my life, I was structural engineer. And I can tell you, this architectural building has a value. And I want to tell you one, one more thing. It's not that simple. Reallocate people, reallocate schools. This school is a home for us, home. So it's valuable in many, many ways. And another apartment building with 14 low-income units will not bring this value which this complex has. Two schools, one Jewish school, one school, international school. We have all different backgrounds people there. And we support them with low uh, scholarships or no scholarship at all. So I will beg you guys to think about this twice before you made this horrible decision. This is not right. I've been in USSR. I know what that means. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is Philip Amora to be followed by Roy Oldenkamp. Actually, it's Philippe. Oh, it's Philippe. I, I apologize. I'm not trans yet. <laughs> Go ahead, Philippe. Philippe Mora. Hello. Um, uh, greetings to you all, um, and uh, my condolences to you for your job. Um, my opinion uh, is the Planning Commission has gone rogue on this. Uh, I'm a 43-year-old, I'm a 43-year 43, 43 WeHo resident. Anyway, my opinion is they went rogue. The planning commission we 
report we just heard this evening was ridiculous. And, and uh, maybe that's why you're retiring, John. I mean, it was absolutely absurd. Has anyone, any, if anyone's seen that synagogue, they can see it's a classic. Uh, this, it's a classic by any standard. Destroying synagogues is going to attract the wrong kind of tourist to West Hollywood. The tattoos will have swastikas on them if we start tearing down, destroying synagogues. It's, this is dangerous, what you're doing. In the current situation in this country, I'm sure you all know what's going on, it's crazy that WeHo, which is a beacon of progressive thought, will burn down. A, that's going to be taken advantage of. Uh, uh, so goes the nation. I hope not. With all good faith, uh, it's impossible using reason and logic to understand where the planning commission came from doing this. It's, I, don't just, just, I just don't understand it to approve and promote the destruction of an historic and active synagogue built by Warner Brothers and Max Factor. It's in this dangerously polarized society, the destruction will only get applause from racists, anti-Semites, uh, a crucial Nazi tactic, by the way, was pitting Jews against Jews. And that's what's happening. My, my dear Jewish friend here, he, he was concerned about it. This is pitting Jews against Jews, very dangerous. And I, that was a, I'm leaving. Thank you, Philippe. I'm leaving. That was a, 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 a technique uh, uh, perfected by Adolf Eichmann. Thank you. Thank you. Don't Thank you. do it. Thank you. Roy Oldenkamp to be followed by Shala Javdan. Good evening, Roy Oldenkamp, City of West Hollywood. Hello, Council, Mayor, Mayor Pro Tem, and staff. I just wanted to bring up a few points regarding this. Sorry, my mic's kind of... Um, so, a few things regarding this particular building. I think in the first survey, when Teresa Grimes was doing her windshield survey, which is not a complex survey, if you look at the building, as you all have, you'll see in front lots of beautiful, mature foliage, which I think has hidden some of the aspects of the architecture, particularly the Temple Bethel itself, which has civic monumentalism factors. It has Hollywood Regency factors with fluted pilasters, oversized vases. It's really a stunning building. The doors are amazing. The stained glass is amazing. Perhaps there is a way with one more uh, historic preservationist putting in input on this that the Temple Bethel itself could be saved. There's still all the newer buildings north of that and the parking lot. And perhaps that temple could be a cultural center and a temple that would also incorporate part of the schooling and then it's a win-win for everybody. And I think uh, Mr. Tide might agree that you could possibly have 70 units instead of, sorry, 70 units instead of 90 units and fulfill everybody's happiness in this regard. I also say maybe we want to see that uh, all the profits to selling these uh, apartments for $5,000 a month for a two-bedroom are actually going to, as they said, to Jewish services. So I think that's something that should be considered also or e even put into a contract. Thank you. Thank you, Roy. Our next speaker is Shala Javdan, to be followed by Jeffrey Buck. Honorable Mayor Pro Tem, Council members, good evening and congratulations to our honorary. You sounded terrific. Um, the previous speakers made several of my points, 
I thought it was very important for the community to be aware that the funds that uh, Federation is raising, it's going to housing, it's going to food, it's going to elder care, it's going to medical support, mental health, um, fighting addiction, financial self-sufficiency, scholarships, and programs of Jewish values. We're not hitting Jews against Jews. We are putting Jews together. I'd like to know when I, as past president of the Federation, was crying to get people to attend our beautiful temple, where were all of you? Why you didn't come for uh, uh, Passover or for uh, Rosh Hashanah? The attendance to our temple has become to 20. Also, another point that was raised, the process will take at least six years, three years for parking, three years for building, all the tenants will be assured personally to have time and service to find new places. We're not gonna throw anybody out of the building. We're here to help. We're here to make the world a little better. And we're hoping that you trust us enough to allow us to do this job the way we think is going to be the most beneficial. Thank you so much. Thank you. Our next speaker is Jeffrey Buck, to be followed by Vladimir Melamed. Yes, good evening, City Council. My name is Jeffrey Buck. I happen to be on the uh, Board of Directors for Hollywood Temple Bethel, and I'm speaking for the entire board right now. Um, we understand there were only tenants in the building for a number of reasons we had to um, sell the, uh, the, the complex to the current owners with the understanding that it would remain a synagogue. That was part of the agreement when it was sold, from what I understand, was a very uh, good price. But what I'm here to say today is I'd like you guys to think twice about destroying this beautiful building. When I hear the description that it's... Uh, it's, it's, not, it's, it's terrible, I didn't recognize the description. It's a description, it's a beautiful temple. The main sanctuary with the uh, stained glass windows and the small chapel we have, it's a very beautiful building. It's, when you drive by, it reminds people of the, of the, of the temple in Jerusalem. It's, it's built after that style. But I also would like the city council, city council to remember that when you destroy a building, you're destroying history. You're just wiping it out. I mean, people don't recognize, remember the beautiful buildings we had in Los Angeles, even even the original county courthouse was, was red, red sandstone, beautiful building. Who remembers what happened to, uh, to Penn Station in New York City? That beautiful building, that beautiful station was destroyed. Who remembers the uh, original uh, courthouse in Chicago, that beautiful building that was destroyed? So when you destroy a building, people will have no memory that there was a temple once there that Holocaust survivors prayed and worshiped there and uh, many good things happened there and it's really a beautiful building. And I, I also remember how Irv's hamburger stand was also protected many years ago and I thought that was kind of funny. If you can protect Irv's, you can also protect Hollywood Temple Bethel and the building. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Our next speaker is Vladimir Malamed, to be followed by Stephen Bruschino. 
Good evening, City Council. Good evening, uh, Mayor. Uh, I'm former director of archive and uh, collection at the Holocaust Museum and uh, historical consultant now. And I am speaking in support of Lynn Russell appeal. So there are uh, there's a two categories, uh, historicity and continuity. And both uh, need to be looked at uh, with a qualitative approach. It's about historical value, about architectural value. It doesn't matter how many people, how many luminaries went through the synagogue. It matters that uh, historicity and continuity should be uh, preserved. Of course, it is a question that the survey is questionable because it's a complicated process to assess elements of architecture and the architectural styles there and they're still present. It definitely should be redefined. And the synagogue doesn't matter how many people. It is, it's not a quantity, it's a quality. And uh, it serves humanness, even because it's less people. And we are now in the process of creating our a cultural organizations and non-profit organization like our Institute for Ethnopolitical Culture and Religious Education and Research. And now, overall, the synagogue is underfunded, always been, and the community, the congregants were underserved. And what remained, actually, is one small chapel, which 20, or maybe less, maybe more people gather. But even because there are so less people, nobody should send them away, go there or go here. It's, it's simply not humane. And uh, therefore, and because of that, I mean, uh, the temple should be reevaluated. the project. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is Stephen Braschino, to be followed by Kathy Blavis. Hi, Stephen Braschino. All right, we'll get right to it. The analysis that they submitted, the new analysis, is an expedited review. It's done by the same firm that did the previous review in 2016 that we have said it wasn't done correctly. So the same firm do it again and basically say that we made no mistakes. That's kind of a conflict of interest. Uh, the Federation did not tell anyone what was going on. We were not notified until 10 days after high holidays. So I have Holocaust survivors crying because they had no idea what was going on, none. Uh, and it's, it's a shame that we're coming to a place where we're gonna tear down a synagogue. Straight up, you guys are all being set up. You're being set up by your staff and you're being set up by the, by the Federation because it's gonna fall on your heads when you tear this place down. It's historical. Edward G. Robinson, Sammy Davis Jr., the Warner Brothers, Lemley, they, they created this place. They were there. And when this place goes down, it's you all that could ha have to answer for it. They are auditioning for jobs probably in the private sector. They make money. They make money. But it's going to fall on your heads. God brought me here for a reason. I don't know why, but he did. And I, saw some, I found something beautiful. I'm like the anti I was raised Christian. I wasn't even raised Jewish. I'm the anti-Kanye. I came here to walk in this synagogue, and I realized these people are where it's at, and they welcomed me in, open arms. And if you tear it down for a five-story building, 
it's not going to stop there. They're going to tear down other places and other places of worship. And when this thing probably gets pushed through, which it's going to, just know it's going to the county under a bigger microscope. And I hope you guys have thought about that. Thank you. Our next speaker is Kathy Blavis to be followed by Kate. Good evening, Kathy Blavis, City of West Hollywood. Um, the reason I'm here speaking tonight is not whether or not it's a valuable project that's being planned. I'm not here speaking tonight whether or not we need more housing or affordable housing. My purpose tonight is with regard to the appeal. Was the process flawed? Um, we've heard different versions of how the building was looked at, a drive-by. It was included as part of all of the buildings, but not separated. There is a noted architect for this building. Um, that's why I'm here. I'm, it was the process flawed, and if so, how do we, how do we fix it? Um, I'm in agreement with several things I've heard tonight. I'm in agreement with the statement by the West Hollywood Preservation Alliance. And I also agree wholeheartedly with an idea that Roy Oldenkamp brought up. Um, it could be a missed opportunity. That building could be saved and incorporated into a beautiful project. This is a beautiful project. There might be a way to include it. And although not a religious um, synagogue or a church, the Jones Animal Hospital is a perfect example of that as well. That was a building that could have been saved and incorporated into a new project. So I hear what other people are saying tonight uh, with whether or not it's needed, whether or not uh, new development is needed. Um, I just think, again, the process is a bit flawed, and that's what the appeal is asking you to look at. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Our next and final speaker is Kate. And Kate, when you come up, if you don't mind spelling your last name for me so we have it for the record, that would be great. Thank you. The short form is Davin, D, apostrophe, capital A, V, A, N. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I would just like to appeal to the Planning Commission to take another look, a close look at the written law code 28 rule 241 that states very clearly that it is illegal to tear down a religious facility, a religious building for the purpose of residential or business construction. Uh, the other is to please consider the surrounding residential neighborhood which is back to back. You have Havenhurst, which is right behind the present synagogue. And if there is to be construction, it is going to disrupt the peaceful lives of everyone living there. And landlords and residents alike did not buy into uh, living in West Hollywood to have their lives disrupted every time they turn around there's new construction. We all bought in to the purpose of West Hollywood standing on its own, the promise of a hamlet, a peaceful hamlet that's different than a metropolis city. That's what we were promised when the city of West Hollywood was originally formed. Another thing you may want to consider looking closely at, our sewerage system, a very practical uh, situation there. Uh, is it 
can it really accommodate 90 more new units? We have problems as it is. I remember my, my uh, unit being flooded one year. Uh, I live on Havenhurst. So there are practical things to consider, you know, no, code, uh, noise, uh, pollution, and traffic code. Have we, ex have we not ex you know, um, exceeded our traffic code already in that area, both on Fountain and Sunset? So I just um, plea that you look at these things more closely. And it, it, it is an honorable building. It's a beautiful beautiful facility and people do rely on it. It needs a more proactive outreach program for the community, uh, Jewish community. That's its failing right now, but as a building, it's phenomenal. So that's it for now. <laughs> Thank you. Finally, Mayor Pro Tem, we do have citizen position slips, so I'll read those into the record. The following individuals um, submitted citizen position slips in support of the appeal. Michael Abramson, West Hollywood. Lois Blumenthal, West Hollywood. Kevin Burton, West Hollywood. Laura Cazares, West Hollywood. George Creedle, West Hollywood. Gary Dahl, West Hollywood. Cheryl Dent, West Hollywood. Connor Fisher, West Hollywood. Wendy Goldman, West Hollywood. Sally Henley, West Hollywood. Edith Magoon, West Hollywood. Roxanne McBride, West Hollywood. Dave Monks, Los Angeles. Jacob Patterson, West Hollywood. Henry Rasu, Placentia. David Reed, Los Angeles. Jody John Sackstrup, Los Angeles. Mark Scheinbaum, West Hollywood. Neil Terry, Placentia. Steve Weinstein, West Hollywood. Christopher Jimenez, West Hollywood. Janice Carr, Beverly Hills. Jennifer Sanborn, Beverly Hills. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I am now going to ask uh, for us to switch over for any rebuttal from uh, Lynn Russell for two minutes. And Lynn, if you're hearing this, you have two minutes. We'll turn our alarms really loudly and we won't interrupt you mid-sentence to the best of our ability. So we just wanna let you know if you can, if that's still, if you, if you can, if we're all caught up on whatever you're watching or listening. All right. Wonderful. Thank you, Mayor Pro Tem. Uh, before I go on to this, I want to I make a firm statement that there were several misstatements offered by Mr. Michael Lewis in his rendition of history on this building and, and events. I have a bird's eye view from the sixth story of, of Savoy Plaza on everything that happens on that property. I've been through all of the parking structure and you name it. So. Uh, I've closely followed this issue for years. Uh, let me get move on here. Um, I didn't get a chance to say that the, uh, the name of the architect was not included in the first assessment. It was easy to find him. A simple Google check did it for me. So beyond that, um, I had an interesting discussion with Teresa Grimes, who was responsible with GPA to do the original survey. And we discussed two buildings on Sunset, the Geffen Building and the Hornberg Building, and why Hornberg received a 6D. And she explained that it was built to look like something similar to Geffen, but it was not an original structure. But beyond that, she conveyed her methodology 
of doing the windshield survey. They take a broad brush. They do not go into the structures. And that was clearly, clearly the, the situation here. Um, for her, she's no longer with the firm, and her two disciples have, um, have prepared this memorandum, which curiously arrived on January 19, 2023, after the appeal was filed. It does not even pick up the architect's name. So there is 15 pages of just going around in, in, in circles. So there is the flaw. And given the circumstances, I'm requesting that the Temple Bethel receive an unbiased historical resource assessment and that it follow the proper channel through HPC. Unbiased assessment is key. In addition, to prevent this type of occurrence from repeating and becoming the burden the burden of someone else, I am requesting a clear and concise protocol and procedure written for the request for continuance to avoid any arbitrary decision. Please consider my first appeal that I, I obtained more than 10 years ago at 79.14. It was, oddly enough, a Iranian architect for an Iranian owner, and he completely collapsed when he found out that the city architect or urban designer at that time had misguided him. But today, due to our collaboration, there's a beautiful structure at 7914. I urge everybody to take a look because it fits beautifully into the neighborhood as part of the neighborhood um, compatibility ordinance, which was key at the time. So I really appreciate your um, uh, attention tonight. I'm free to answer any other questions, and um, I give it thank, back to Thank you so much, Lynn. So I had her going 54 seconds extra, so that will be allotted to the, appell uh, the applicant if you choose to go uh, which it's fine, it's okay, Lynn, you finished your statement, it's all good, we wanted you to finish it, but that same allotment will be given to Mr. Lewis should you use that extra 54 seconds. Thank you. Let me just try to address a couple of the issues that were brought up. First, I don't think that we should confuse a sentimental attachment with historic significance. Um, while there may have been some very famous people who attended services at the synagogue, their fame and their mark in history was uh, not their religious beliefs, it was their role in business and other endeavors that took place somewhere else. Um, secondly, the IAGC has offered to forgive the past due amounts uh, from Temple Bethel and to allow them to remain uh, up until the time we begin construction and to help them relocate to another facility and they have declined that assistance. Um, with regard to the question about timing, you know, there, there are two separate parcels here. There's a parcel across the street and on that parcel we've already got approval for a, uh, an, another residential building. The intent was to start that one first. Uh, while we looked for a new location for the existing facility and then, excuse me, and then build the second one uh, after this, this building, after we'd completed the first one. So we're looking at four to five years, probably at a minimum, before we would get around to uh, demolishing this site. Um, we did look at alternatives when we were trying to find a, a solution here. We did look at an alternative that included in maintaining the, the synagogue and trying to incorporate the other facilities that we need with it. Uh, the banquet facilities and whatnot, but as a practical matter and from a design standpoint, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, you have to build an enormous amount of parking. You have to you uh, and to continue these these uh, operations 
uh, while wrapping them inside a residential building just doesn't make sense from a, from a planning standpoint. And finally, I would just say uh, it is not uncommon for religious facilities to move and to redevelop uh, their sites. All, I do, they do it all the time. I've represented a number of them, uh, a Sikh temple, a Zen center, a Buddhist temple, a, a Korean Presbyterian church, all of them moving to new locations and, and going through the CUP process as they move, as they try to accommodate the needs of their congregation. So uh, this is not an unusual uh, circumstance. This is the third location for this, uh, uh, for this synagogue, and, and it's, not, uh, it's not the last. So I would just leave it at that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Lewis. Um, I am now going to close the public hearing, testimony, public testimony portion of tonight's uh, uh, public hearing. And I'm going to turn it over to my colleagues for additional comments. Um, and this time, I'm going to start to my left with Councilmember Heilman. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who came out and spoke tonight. We appreciate your comments. I had a question for staff. Uh, Mr. Alabaster raised a concern about the uh, properties behind this on uh, in the rear and whether there were easements that uh, they might be encroaching on with the development. Uh, I wasn't quite sure what he was referring to. Have you reviewed that and or will that be reviewed as part of building and safety? There's a setback along the northern, sorry, western property line that has to maintain at least eight feet. Um, we will double check the easements when they submit the survey, when they submit to building safety for plan check. Yeah, so that you would automatically check to make sure that there is no encroachment on easements that other people might have or might not have. Um, it's not clear to me that there's actually a recorded easement or anything like that. but. Uh, it appears they've been using that portion of the property for a while, but that would be something that would be evaluated as part of building and safety. Correct. Okay. And then there were some questions. Um, there have been a lot of questions about historic preservation. This was never nominated by anyone. It wasn't in the survey. And I, I thought we also have a policy in the zoning code that we can't even consider historic preservation after a development application is deemed complete. Is, can you explain that to me? Yes, so you're correct, Councilman Hellman. If an application for development is deemed complete, then an application for nomination has to wait until a decision is made on that application for development. So in this case, until a decision is made on the appeal, no one can nominate the temple or the property. Okay, thank you. And then uh, there were questions about the process. Oh, can I, can I just add really fast? Um, so that is the process for a nomination for designation. Um, however, as a part of our review, we also look at the historic preservation or the historic significance in terms of the CEQA review and our analysis on the project. So this was first looked at as part of the citywide survey and it was not identified as historically significant. And then after issues were raised, we had admittedly the same independent company go out and look at this, and they still determined that it wasn't historically significant. Correct. And, uh, and Chad up here reviewed that study and concurred with the findings. Okay, so an, a second 
historic preservation uh, consultant reviewed the work of the first and they concurred? Yes. Okay. Um, thank you. So um, I, I don't know if others have questions, but those were my, my questions at this point. Thank you, Councilmember Heilman. Councilmember Byers? Yeah, I just wanted to follow up on the question that was just asked about the most updated memorandum with the historical resource survey. So the survey itself is being in the process of being updated because time beckons us to update these surveys. And because that survey is being updated, that's what forced this other additional pass in 2023. Right, so as a, as a response, we thought the best course of action was just to take another look, just in case, right? And the reason it's called an expedited review is because it's ahead of the entire survey. So it's not that it was done at a lesser degree or anything like that, it's just that it was, it was done more quickly um, in the timeline versus waiting for the entire survey to come back. But it was still the complete accurate survey that we would give to all other projects. Just happened in a more timely fashion. Exactly. Perfect. Thank you for that clarity. That's all I had. Thank you, Councilmember Byers. Councilmember Meister. Thank you, Mayor Pratem. So was the architect mentioned in the, in the follow-up report? In the review by GPA, it was mentioned. <laughs> okay. Um, but they did not think that they didn't consider him a master architect, is that? I'm also, I'm just trying to find it in the report. If maybe if you can tell me the page number, that would be great. And while you're looking at that, I'll ask a question of the city attorney. Uh, one of the speakers brought up a code that um, you can't uh, demolish a, a religious facility and replace it with residential. Is that how I heard it? Like, I mean, that's what I heard. I, I heard the I, speaker say that too. I'm, I'm not familiar with such a code. There's prohibitions against discrimination against um, religious facilities and damage against re religious facilities for hate crimes and things along those natures, but I'm not aware of a rule that prohibits demolition of a historic structure. What we do is we look at historic significance under CEQA and under historic preservation law and under our zoning codes and under state housing laws. So we have a body of law we look at, and I'm not familiar of, of a rule in, in there that prohibits demolition of historic, of uh, religious, religious buildings. Facility. Okay. Thank you. Did, did you find that page? Yes, I believe that the, um, uh, the history of the property is mentioned on page five and six, uh, and the... Um, that's on your report? Uh, no, the GPA, the GPA. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean, the GPA correct. report. Yeah, pages five and six. Um, and uh, it was determined that, that uh, they didn't qualify as uh, under the eligibility uh, for the criteria for master architect. Okay. I'm not seeing his name, but, oh, there it is, to continue. Oh, no, that was Hellman, Jacob, no, somebody else, Hellman, Leon Hellman. So I'm just not seeing it. Why? I believe a, um, it, one of the structures was designed and constructed by the Sheldon L. Pollock Company. Okay, oh, and that was the architect's company? Uh, yes, I believe they designed it so uh, and constructed. Okay. So, uh, so it was so the arch so then it was included in the GPA report. Okay. 
trying to think what else I had to ask. Uh, I, um, I'm just going to also bring up that I went back to the 2016, uh, actually it was tw January 2017, when the commercial hist uh, uh, historic commercial survey was brought back to council. And we did get a letter from, uh, from the WHPA uh, uh, urging us uh, to add six buildings to the list of significant commercial properties. And unfortunately, um, that this building, none of the addresses was, in, was included in that letter uh, from the WHPA. Um, so I guess what I would ask is, I mean, there was nothing uh, prohibiting uh, someone who wanted to try to get that site designated from going to this California State Registry or the National uh, historic registry. Is that is that correct? I mean, that could have made a difference, or maybe not. They could have after the survey was completed, but nothing came forward until recently. Okay, so that's that's what I thought. Okay, thank you. Go ahead. I, I just want to comment. There's more information about the architect available on page 14 and 15 for those who are interested. It's a great history. Are you good, Councilmember uh, Meister? That was all your, okay, great. I just have um, two quick questions. Um, regarding the Crescent Heights project um, that is and was mentioned here, what parts of that are in West Hollywood? I believe it was just the plumbing. It's like, that's not in West Hollywood, but there are pieces of the plumbing maybe Councilmember Meister might know, because I remember she was mayor then when I think we sued the city of LA for that, but do you remember what portions of that are actually in the city? Uh, so the property you're talking about is 8150 Sunset Boulevard. Um, that was originally designed by Frank Gehry, I think yeah. was the architect. So um, none of the building project site was in the city of West Hollywood. There was a driveway that went across a public West Hollywood sidewalk, but the project itself was all in the city of Los Angeles. They had to connect into our sewer system, yeah. but the project was <clears throat> the project was all in Los Angeles. Yes, thank you. That's what I remember. And then that project was sold recently. I, I believe the applicant is not moving forward with that project at this time. That's my understanding. So it's going to be a, a while before that dirt lot is anything understood. Okay, um, and then. Um, that was my only question. Thank you so much. Um, do any of my colleagues have any additional comments? No? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, deliberation. Yeah, please. Yes, let's, go, let's do it. All right. So again, thank you, everyone, for coming out tonight. Um, I, I know the buildings there. Um, I, I know the school there. Uh, I, there's no doubt that the building uh, is a beautiful building that there are a lot of things that have happened there. I remember in the early days of cityhood, it was a location for adult education classes, uh, that there were community meetings there. <coughs> but what's before us tonight is an appeal. And we have to look at it from a legal standpoint and what we are and are not allowed to do. We are not allowed at this point to uh, consider the historic significance of the building. No historic preservation application has ever been filed for this. 
and even reviewing it as part of CEQA, it's clear that our consultants, and none of us up here are historic preservation uh, experts, we rely on people who do this for a living. And two independent consultants have determined that it doesn't meet the criteria for historic preservation. There are schools at the site, and uh, uh, Temple Bethel is also operating there, and they are essentially in the role of tenants with uh, the current owners of the property. We typically do not get involved in landlord-tenant disputes in uh, a property like this with respect to a development. I do think it is important that there be a relocation plan, that that plan is submitted to our staff and reviewed by our staff. I heard the representative of the applicant uh, assure us and assure the community that they would work with both the school and the representatives of the temple and give them sufficient notice and work with them on relocation. And I'm going to take them at their word, but I also think we should um, direct our staff to make that a condition of any approval. I heard people raise concerns about the impact of construction. There's no doubt that when this building is built, there will be impacts. Um, I've lived across the street from a development for the last three years and actually had to hide in my bathroom to get work done during some of the most noisy portions of construction. But construction is something that occurs in a city, and we are not going to say that everything that is currently in place is locked in forever. Uh, change occurs, uh, change is inevitable, uh, and uh, we do need more housing in this city. Given the number of developments that are um, in the process in this neighborhood and near this neighborhood, I think it is important that we also ask our staff to have a construction management plan and a construction coordination plan so that the impacts of development are uh, mitigated to the extent that they can be. I know that there were concerns raised about um, the sewer capacity and traffic studies, but that would be something that was already studied as part of this uh, a project as part of the environmental assessment, uh, and we wouldn't be seeing this project uh, if our staff wasn't convinced that there was adequate sewer capacity as well as adequate road capacity for the impacts that this new development will bring to our community. So based on uh, what we've been presented, I don't think we have a legal basis for granting the appeal, uh, so I think we need to deny it and uh, approve the development, but direct staff to add some conditions uh, requiring a relocation plan and requiring a construction management plan. I do want to also mention that the concerns raised about anti-Semitism are certainly very concerning for all of us. The rise in anti-Semitism throughout the country and throughout the world is extremely troubling. But I don't see any aspect of anti-Semitism where a Jewish organization that owns property has decided to redevelop it 
and use the funds to support their charitable efforts. I don't think that's um, uh, anti-Semitic. I think that's a, a group of people deciding that they want to use their property in a way that they think will make it more productive for the community. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Councilmember Byers? Thank you. Um, I want to appreciate the discussion tonight and the members of the public for joining tonight here in person and on Zoom and throughout the duration of this entire process. Um, I really appreciate the comments that Councilmember Heilman just shared. I, too, am sensitive to the sentiment this evokes from members of our community who want to preserve this space. And I'm also very sensitive to the reality that more and more lives are disrupted daily by the many impacts of our housing shortage crisis. And as this is an appeal, that's what's before us tonight. So I want to show appreciation to this council for making the decision to move forward with the hearing tonight as we are in the midst of this statewide housing crisis and housing delayed is housing denied. I truly do think this is a fabulous concept providing transformational outdoor space for the community and much needed housing, including affordable housing. Um, and we know the Housing Accountability Act beckons us to support these projects with, for good reason. Um, I just, in regards to the appeal, um, I appreciate the many questions asked about process and historical importance um, and just want to recognize that we've really interrogated that um, and appreciate the efforts that have led us here. And also just want to uh, uplift some of the recommendations that have come in via public comment and from other members of the community um, for ways to surface and share the history of this space in other ways alongside the development for future generations. And just, uh, again, after hearing from members of the IAJC tonight, I really appreciate the sentiment that this building and this space will continue to have value to the Jewish community and the community at large. Uh, just echo support for the additional recommendations from Councilmember Heilman and um, show my support for denying this appeal and moving forward. Thank you, Councilmember Byers. Councilmember Meister. Thank you, Mayor Pro Tem. So um, I also agree with my colleagues, and I uh, I appreciate what uh, Councilmember Heilman uh, brought forward about adding uh, some points into the conditions. Um, as I asked earlier, there was only one assertion in the appeal, and that's the only thing that we can look at, and that relates to the process the process of identifying a historic resource, not, not um, we cannot determine and say it is or it isn't a historic resource. It went through a process. And even if the 2016 assessment fell short, the assessment which followed was done and was done uh, to the satisfaction of um, the commission and the process is that if something is not deemed to um, be eligible, it's not going to go to HPC um, because it was not listed as an eligible site. Um, so where it comes to process, um, the appeal itself, I would have to deny the appeal. I do want to mention that I'm old enough to remember conversations of 2009 and, and, and 2010 um, when uh, a lot of the residents who lived around uh, the project site uh, had a lot of complaints about the use of that building, particularly the banquet uh, hall. And there were complaints regularly about that. And in fact, that was you know, brought up during the, um, during the uh, appeal to uh, city council um, back, back, way back when. Um, the fact that this is going to be now a residential uh, use as opposed to a um, non-residential use 
I think will be a positive for the neighborhood. Um, I also think the project is, is really beautifully designed and uh, the fact that you have an R, a, a project site that is zoned R4 and really does not, um, really allows for you know, the airways and, and all of the uh, environmental type um, design that we have been trying to promote for years, we actually have a project that we can use as an example and say, this is a good project. Um, we see a lot of projects that are not well designed that have to be approved by planning commission regardless because of state law. And that's the last thing I'll say is that with the state law, the state has taken away a lot of local control in terms of land use and um, an R4 property like that could have could have been uh, a, a project that was in, uh, much bigger and much less aesthetically um, pleasing. And uh, so I, I appreciate that, that the architect and, and the applicant actually put forward a project that um, I think design-wise we can actually say really is um, beautifully designed. Um, and um, so again, I go back to the, the uh, appeal. The appeal has one assertion. Um, it has to do with process. The process was followed, and so um, I would have to um, uh, vote to deny the appeal. Thank you so much, Councilmember Meister. Not to belabor any points, thank you to the members of the public who came and spoke tonight. Um, on all sides of this issue, um, what my colleagues have said is m much more eloquent than I could put it at this moment. Um, I understand that these sites have very important significance to each other, to our communities, and it's something that we all take very seriously up here when you told us that, but as Councilmember Heilman said, what is before us is the nature of this appeal, and I think it was reiterated by two of my colleagues, so I am in favor of denying the appeal, as well as additionally adding several uh, conditions regarding relocation, um, a relocation plan um, and construction management plan as well. And John or Jennifer or Adrian, did you want to read those conditions in? Who I got Make it. John I got do it. it. I got it. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the question, um, all right, so the language for additional efforts to provide relocation um, assistance prior, so we'd have add condition 2.5 to say prior to application for a building permit, the applicant shall provide a tenant relocation plan to show relocation efforts to the satisfaction of the community development director. And then if the council wants to provide more specificity, we could add a certain number of days prior to vacation. Okay, so we'll leave it at that. Um, and then, Adrian, can you address the second request? Councilman Hardman mentioned construction management, condition 6.7. We've already codified our construction management efforts as part of the code. So if you look at 6.7, it mentions all construction shall take place in a manner that complies with section, with chapter 9.70, construction management of the West Hollywood Municipal Code. 
I guess what I was getting at is what we did where there were several developments on Kings Road, um, and Oscar may remember this, we uh, set up a, a meeting with the neighborhood and actually uh, agreed on coordination of the different projects to the extent that we were able to do that, and there was a single point of contact for the neighborhood for construction-related issues, so. Um, that's kind of partially in here also under condition 6.14 because that talks about when we issue encroachment permits for work such as concrete pours and closing of streets and all of that. So that all goes to our engineering department and so they would need to take a look at all the other activities that taking that's taking place on the street at the same time so they don't issue um, encroachment permits um, in the same location at the same time. So maybe we don't actually have to add a condition to the permit, but we can give you yes. as staff direction to implement that kind of construction management for this neighborhood when the projects go forward. Yes. Okay. Thank you. There is now a motion on the floor by Councilmember Byer, seconded by Councilmember Heilman to reiterate it is denying the appeal, adding condition 2.5. Thank you. Brain still with me for a relocation plan. Um, seeing no other commentary, and we're going to close the public hearing. Thank you, Lauren, very much. Seeing none, we'll and go we'll to a vote. Also, add to the motion, if I'm correct, that staff is directed to implement and work together on a construction management plan to ensure. It's already in one of the conditions Perfect. that we talked about. All right. Okay. Let's go to a vote. So let's start voting. motion passes. Again, I will note the abstention of Mayor Schein for the record. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to take a 10-minute break. We'll be back at 8.50.
Uh, please take your seats. We're going to resume the council meeting. We will now move to item 3B, zone tax amendment to revise existing and introduce new parking and driveway standards for new projects. The public hearing is now open. Madam City Clerk, how was this hearing noticed? As required by Lot Mayor. Thank you. Will the staff representative please introduce yourself and present the staff report? Good evening, Mayor, Mayor Pro Tem, Council Members. Um, my name is Michael Barker. I'm the project architect with the city's urban design and architecture studio. I'm joined by Rick Abramson, the studio's manager, and John Kehoe, the planning development services director, community development director, and Francisco Contreras, um, long range planning manager. So the item before you tonight, parking and driveway standards for new projects. Um, it's part of a larger body of work and it's um, in pursuit of servicing multiple goals, um, mainly being one, the uh, 2019 City Council directed multifamily study for, to update design standards uh, for more neighborhood friendly development, um, a state planning grant um, to revise the city zoning ordinance with objective design standards, and um, to explore the um, impacts of the parking reductions as a result of AB 2097. Um, and as well as supporting the city's climate action adaptation plan. So the work uh, in total, the objective standards and all this and the multifamily development study, uh, we focus first on parking and driveway standards in part of because of the impacts of the uh, AB 2097. Um, and you know, the intent really was to bring this forward as one item and then return in future phases with these additional phases of work that we'll be completing, which includes site design and open space for phase two, um, which will do the full process of doing the analysis, bringing in consultants, um, outreach, and um, going to planning commission, and then back returning to council here with you. Um, and then we'll return uh, for phases three and four, which will focus more on building design and massing units and sustainability strategies for buildings themselves. So this was a, a pretty technical and focused study, uh, really about the functional planning of parking garages and um, parking lots. And focusing also on, specifically on the chapter 19.28 uh, of the zoning ordinance. And the, the main goals of this were, again, to create objective standards that are measurable to help streamline housing production uh, to clarify the current code's dimensional requirements intent, some of them which could be subjectively applied, uh, misinterpreted, or um, you know, just lacked dimensional clarity, especially now when revising them to be objective, you need lots more clarity uh, with these design standards. Um, also to, again, address the state-mandated parking reductions, and also looking forward to accommodate current and future use patterns. Um, such as a consideration of service and delivery areas within developments that provide, um, for say, for instance, less than one parking space per unit. Uh, and also to, uh, you know, while we're creating objective standards that are measurable, permit some flexibility. Um, so expanded matrices of parking tables and allowable stall widths, things like that. 
Um, so this is a, a brief summary of some of the updates to existing standards on the left, uh, then a couple of the new standards on the right, and this is kind of the you know high level, uh, these are the more substantial aspects of this ordinance. So driveway visibility triangle, it sounds complicated, but it's really just kind of a zone defined on each side of a driveway where it meets the sidewalk. Uh, that's to remain clear for visibility to the sidewalk for cars entering and exiting. And we updated that you know, with new dimensional requirements and also accounting for forward facing versus backing out, things like that. Uh, backing out of driveways, driveways which was um, previously subjectively applied at the discretion of the director, so now creating objective standards for application and enforcement of that. Similarly, uh, stall widths, uh, drive aisle widths, um, objective standards and clarifications on dimensions, and stalls, obstructions such as walls adjacent to a stall or large columns, ensuring that if um, you know, a stall has to be widened by a certain amount so that vehicles and people can enter and exit those stalls. Um, overhead projections, taking into account um, you know, accessibility law and clarifying those standards as well and also things like um, EV charging, storage, uh, things that come up quite often. And uh, compact and tandem parking, um, you know, similarly were subjectively applied, so these were updating those standards to be objective and quantifiable, and when they're used. Um, you know, one point to add on a number of these is that even if, it, due to AB 2097, there might not be much parking or actually no parking in some developments. This will still apply when parking is, you know, even if there's only two stalls. Um, it's, it's, it's the how to apply these um, standards for new developments whenever parking is given and provided. Um, mechanical parking also was updates to those kind of dimensional standards. The two new items, uh, driveway entry gates and service and delivery areas. So the first one is really about just um, creating a space so that vehicles are not queuing in the public right-of-way um, and there's sufficient gate setbacks so that vehicles are queuing within the property. Um, service and delivery areas was one that came up out of discussions about 2097 because in certain developments where very little parking is provided, for instance one, less than one stall per unit, um, we would want to ensure that there is an area for um, residents to move in, move out, load, have sometimes, you know, on-demand services, food deliveries, things like that, um, and that those aren't occurring in the public right-of-way. And two items that were discussed with the Planning Commission, oops, thank you, um, were car sharing and bicycle provisions, and so what came out of that was these were quite complex, so they're not there's no proposed changes in this zone text amendment um, related to car sharing or bicycles, but you know we did some research and feel that it would be um, useful to do a more in-depth study um, because it does um, include other sections of the zoning ordinance and municipal code, and so we would want to look into, um, you know, as a result of AB 29, still providing ex equitable access to transportation through um, car sharing provisions on site. Um, and obviously we have to look into things like local service providers, maintenance and insurance requirements, and the scale of application in other cities, for instance, San Francisco, that does have a kind of mandated car share program. And uh, bicycle integration in new developments. Similarly, it's um, 
to provide a more diverse range of uh, transportation options when there are not parking spaces provided. Um, and it has many of the same, you know, considerations for study. And with that, um, we can open it up to comments and questions. Any questions from our colleagues? Are there any public speakers on this item? No. We do not have any. Okay, uh, Council Member Meister. Thank you. Um, so, uh, and thank you for this, and I realize it's very technical stuff. I, I, it took me a while till I was able to get through it, but um, uh, in terms of um, presenting to the public, I know you presented to the Planning Commission. You also, did you have a community meeting also about it? I seem to remember you having something. I don't know that the community got it, but. We, we had a questionnaire that was circulated online, so it kind of, it was available for two months. There was a press release, and um, it, it was about a 10 to 12 questions. It posed a series of topics related to these um, topics we just discussed and some attitudes towards possibly amending. So kind of uh, not the actual proposed solution, but what we were trying to solve for and just gain general feedback from a number of community members. Most were in support of the majority of the pieces that made it into uh, this zone text amendment. Um, there was some you know, mixed comments about things like car shares, whether or not we would need that. Um, and there was general kind of disapproval of the AB 2097 parking reductions um, because you know, in many ways we are under parked. So. And did you uh, also uh, present this to, the, to GAC, to the, uh, I assume you went to the Chamber of Commerce, GAC? No, okay. Okay, and then um, I, I have two comments, but I don't know, are we on, can we, there are no public comments? There's no public comments. Okay, so um, there are two uh, pieces of this. One of them is uh, H, which is compact stalls, and the other is tandem parking, which is I. And these are a little different than the other items in that these are incentives. Um, to try to get developers to include a minimum of 25% affordable units in their projects, right? And um, I, think, I think that's great. I mean, I think we've all been trying to bring forward items to incentivize more affordable units because we ha know that we have lots of luxury units and, and we, we need to fill our affordable um, quotas as well. So I think that's great. So I guess my question to is really more for the city attorney. I just want to make sure that however, whatever the language is on this, that it's very clear that these are incentives, unlike the others, which are standards, uh, development standards, that, that although these are standards, but these are standards based on incentives. And I just want to make sure that that's really clear in the language. Um, yeah, it's, it's probably something that we could clarify in the ordinance. I think there is a difference between a development standard and something that incentivizes developers to do something they wouldn't normally do, and if they, if they have that component of their project, they get something extra. Um, so I, I think that would be helpful to clarity to put into the ordinance, and we could probably add language that just says that. This is an incentive and not a development standard. Okay, so... Um, I don't know if anyone else has comments, but um, I'd be willing to move this with that with that clarification. Second. Uh, and, and also, um, 
to direct staff to explore opportunities to include standards for car sharing and bike sharing as suggested by the Planning Commission. Okay, I think uh, we have some other comments to uh, Mayor Pro Tem. Thank you. Oh, yeah, thank you. Um, I just also have a couple questions. So on the slide, you said this excludes single-family zones and zones with existing housing, existing overlays. So what percentage of the city, or do you have a map that shows us what parts of the city are actually excluded? This was um, in particularly uh, the backing out of driveways, uh, driveway entry gates and reservoir space and service and delivery areas. Those were more geared towards multifamily and mixed use developments. Um, others such as the visibility triangle are citywide um, and you know, stall dimensions, all of that is citywide, it applies to all projects. Yeah, but this would exclude various overlay zones. So WeHo West is probably out in certain areas, correct, right? And other, I mean, I'd, I would like to see them. I don't think the ZTA is cooked. So I think there wasn't a community meeting. I think, how many responses did you get to the online press release? Yeah, so there's a press release, so then the questionnaire was available on the city's website and through the press release link. How, how many people? About nine. So you had nine people yeah. out of 36,000 mm -hmm. respond. Okay, that's fine. That's not, you know, engagement. Um, uh, additionally, um, it hasn't gone to the GAC. Um, I, I agree with what Councilmember Meister was saying. I think that those incent, uh, incentives to help with bike sharing and car sharing, I think those are important. Um, and I like where this is going with that. I just, if I'm being quite honest, I think a citywide implementation of a ZTA for new parking and driveway standards with nine responses, and I probably guess five out of the nine of them, um, Especially then when last year the Planning Commission, when WeHo, when you tried to implement design standards in WeHo West in that area, received such vociferous uh, complaints. Um, I think it would be ill of us to move forward like this so quickly without doing a little bit more due diligence. So if the will of the council is to move forward with this, I understand where that's going. I, I don't disagree with it partially. I don't agree with it in full. I, I will be voting no on the item tonight. I think that we have not actually done the outreach. And um, I think if actual, I mean, driveway standards, I mean, blockaging, I mean, how does this account with the Housing Accountability Act if certain driveways are in the rear? I mean, I just don't think the answers have been made. And I, I really question who's defining objective and whose opinion that is. And that's. Not your fault. It's it's not fine, but um, I I just I just don't think this is ready yet. Uh, Councilmember Byers. Thank you. Um, so tonight we're looking at part one of a series of zone text amendments, but this is specific to the new parking and driveway standards. And what I'm trying to wrap my head around is just how much of the city this could potentially cover given AB 2097's implementation. You said most of the city of West Hollywood is located within these transit areas. How much is most? Well, it, it all, <clears throat> all this section of the zoning ordinance applies to all parking. Correct. All parking in the city. There's a couple of standards that were in the, that are proposed 
just a couple of standards that don't apply to certain areas, but otherwise the whole ordinance applies to all parking. And so we're just taking our existing regulations and we're slightly tweaking them in a few instances to make it more clear and to comply with state regulations to make them objective standards. And it's the planning commission and the city council that by adopting this are saying that they are objective standards. So that's the process we're going through. So it's trying to take what we have, look at it, make sure they're objective, do a few more tweaks, and then implement it um, if, the count, if that's the will of the council. And I, I appreciate that process. I'm fully on board with objective standards as they allow us to better streamline these sort of processes. Um, what I'm just trying to understand is because of AB 2097, uh, the future parking in the city is up in the air. I mean, we have eliminated parking minimums as a state through AB 2097. So the need for future parking is up to the development. And as we're creating future, these standards, that's, great because they will apply to all parking period, but as much more, more parking, it's really just dependent on 2097. It sort of undermines the need because it eliminates the need for parking minimums and development. And that's what I'm trying to wrap my head around is how much of the city is covered by AB 2097. What percentage? I think the city attorney wants to chime in. Oh, sorry. Well, I was just gonna try and help clarify that point that I think uh, John Kehoe was trying to make is that um, all projects will provide some amount of parking, regardless of whether they're in the 2097 area or not. Okay. And so those spaces will have to meet these standards. So when you build spaces, we want them to be safe. We want to have enough backup room. So when parking is provided, these will apply um, anywhere, right. except for maybe one or two little provisions that, that don't. And then, but the amount of the city, and so 2097 talks more about um, where projects are built, they may not be subject to a minimum parking requirement. And so that is the question that you want to know how much of the city. Don't we have a, a map on that? And, um, I will also say that state bill has some exemptions. So for instance, hotels. Yeah. Hotels still, we can still mandate parking requirements for hotels. So we know that people won't be building as much parking as they have in the past, but people will be building parking. And so this is to address the parking that will be built. Isn't AB 2097 for affordable housing projects? No. What's the, what was that bill? What was? Transit-oriented. Transit, okay, thank you. And so much, much of West Hollywood yes. is okay, transit-oriented, yeah, which is okay, what I'm trying to understand you. how much. Okay. So yeah, so for um, most of West Hollywood falls within a high transit er, um, area within that designation. It's about 95% of the city, maybe even more. There are some slivers of the city that don't, um, are not within the high transit area, but it's almost all of the city, okay. yeah. Thank you, I'm sorry that was so complicated. Council Member <laughs> Heilman. Yeah, I just wanted to respond to a couple of comments from my colleagues. First of all, I, I agree with Lauren's explanation that there is gonna be parking built. Um, some people will be required and some developers are going to build it simply because they think it's a wise move because their tenants or their new owners are going to want parking. So we're still gonna have parking that's constructed and it does need to meet objective standards. Um, so I, I appreciate what you brought forward. The comment about the lack of community engagement, I think that's 
the result of this not being very um, exciting and, <laughs> and being extremely technical uh, in terms of you know, the, the radius that you need and uh, how um, certain um, tandem parking spaces need to be built. I, I think we could engage in more public outreach and we wouldn't get any because this is not the sort of thing that most residents actually really feel passionate about. The, you're right that the overlay district for West Hollywood West, people felt very passionate about it because it had to do with basements and the size of buildings and things like that. So I, I don't really think we need to defer this. Um, it seems very technical and something that we need to do to make our standards objective. So I'm prepared to vote on it tonight, but I don't know if my colleagues are. Yeah, I did second the motion before. There I did. Yeah, and just with the clarification yes. on that language. May I, may I read that in if that's what the majority of the council wants in the ordinance? Yes. Okay, so um, I think the compact stalls and the tandem parking spaces are found, this is a long number, so bear with me, in section 1928090B2B and in section 1928090E1A, we could just add a sentence clarifying in both sections, this is an incentive and not a development standard. And then I would just add the direction for staff to study further uh, the idea of bike share and car share uh, within uh, new developments. Okay. okay, so there's a motion and a second on the floor um, with the additional comments by the city attorney and council member Meister. And the motion passes for one, noting the no vote of Mayor Pro Tempore Erickson. Great. Um, so now we are going to move to our last item, which is the uh, commission and, well, it's just uh, advisory board appointments. And I believe we're only doing uh, the social justice advisory board tonight. Are there any public comments on this item? No, Mayor, we do not have any speakers for this item. Okay, um, very good. Well, in that case, um, we'll start the nominations. I would like to nominate Jorge Separak and Karim Abdeh. And um, are there other nominations? We have four at-large appointments available. May I nominate Tiandre Pierre, please? Okay. Any other nominations? I had Rebecca and Karim and Tiandre. Okay. That's four. That is four. That Any is other four. Any others? Okay. Okay, so the four at-large appointees to the Social Justice Advisory Board are Jorge Separac, Tiandre Pierre, Kareem Abdeh, and Rebecca Tabatanko. Yes. For a term ending February 28, 2025. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, Wonderful. Well, that uh, we don't have anything on excluded consent, um, and now we're at our last public comment. 
period. This time has set, been set aside for the public to address the council on any item of interest within the subject matter jurisdiction of the council that could not be heard under item one at the beginning of the meeting. Do we have any public comments? I have one individual in chambers and I don't have anyone in Zoom, uh, Christopher Spencer. Chris Spencer, I'm also a lobbyist for the homeless and the mentally ill. And uh, you're doing a really good job in West Hollywood, trust me. I really like, what is it called, uh, block to block? Mm. I, I think I know them all. I, uh, I've been going to AA, and thank you all for what you do in AA. Uh, you're really famous in West Hollywood. You really are, because uh, you're famous for AA and for gay AA, too. You started that, not you, but West Hollywood and you. And uh, I would really like to see, maybe we put one of those stands where that log cabin and uh, our city where we have our AA meetings, because we have some problems with homeless and people begging for money, and there's a little wall in front of our uh, a building there where they sleep overnight. Mm -hmm. And uh, it would really be nice if we had maybe 16 hours of that there. Mm -hmm. uh, we'd be willing to pay for it. I'd be willing to pay for it. I happen to be very wealthy. And what I do is help the mentally ill. My mother was mentally ill. My daughter was mentally ill. It's kept my brother and I. My dad was an alcoholic, and so was I. But, ooh. I got found AA and gay AA and West Hollywood and work, so I live here. I don't want to move. And boy, you're really doing a good job with this company because you could go to the park and feel safer, the mentally ill feel safer, uh, Starbucks feels safer. Ooh, and there's a little restaurant. What is it uh, that where we go for breakfast? Down here, Norms. Yeah. They hired. Uh, somebody to watch it at nights, but he's not really great like these others, and, and we need one at Norms as well. And maybe we can go partners with some businesses, maybe they'd be willing to pay for it because they'd be better off to have one of these stands at Norms than have a, 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 a somebody just watching people because he can't do much. But these people are trained to help people, tell them where homeless places are, I left some uh, information about our lobbying and how we're helping mentally ill. We have a pretty big company, and it's doing really well. We make a lot of money to help people with money, and we're really going to help people in West Hollywood, the mentally ill and the alcoholics. We gave you some brochures, and is my two minutes up? Yeah. I'm it done. Is. I quieted it for so you. Thank you so much for the work you do for West Hollywood <laughs> and the drug and alcohol. The, Sober House. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Spencer and Council. I hope you could help us with the guards. I know. Thank you. We're good. Okay. Council, I have the brochures, and, and Lulu will distribute them tomorrow. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, well, we are at Council Member Comments and Meeting Attendance Reports. Um, Council Member Meister, would you like to go? Sure. Thank you. Um, Let's see, I represented District 41 at SCAG's Energy and Environment Committee and Regional Council meeting. 
I attended Weho Heights Neighborhood Association meeting, swore in several new LGBTQ plus commissioners, and attended the long-awaited installation of the city's first drag laureate. Um, I, um, I want to congratulate Pickle. I know Pickle is not here right now, but maybe she's watching from home because our meetings are so exciting. Um, Pickle is exactly who I envisioned uh, when I brought this forward, this item forward with uh, my colleague, former council member John Duran. And I think the three iterations of council, uh, I thank you all for supporting this exciting initiative. Um, I want to congratulate John Kehoe on his, uh, his retirement um, from the city of West Hollywood. And I remember my first uh, planning commission meeting where I spoke and uh, I'm pretty sure he was there. Um, and that was the beginning of a, as, as uh, they said in Casablanca, beautiful relationship. Um, I want to again remind uh, the note that uh, votes, uh, no votes on items 2D and 2E and uh, have some announcements. Tuesday, July 18th at 6.30 p.m. Uh, town Hall with Assemblymember Rick Chavez-Zaber. Uh, the Town Hall will take place at West Hollywood City Council Chambers, so right here. Wednesday, July 19th at 6 p.m., an in-person neighborhood meeting for a proposed project at 634, 634 North Doheny Drive, and the meeting will take place at the subject site, which is 634 North Doheny Drive. Uh, Saturday, July 22nd, from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., there is a free document and hard drive shredding and e-waste and hazardous, hazardous household waste collection event uh, at the uh, Cedars-Sinai employee parking lot on San Vicente Boulevard. I already have four bags filled. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> I'm purging. Um, and then Tuesday, August 1st, uh, at various times and various locations, which you can find online. It is National Night Out. It's one of my favorite uh, nights of the year. And it's a great way to meet your neighbors and, uh, and uh, law enforcement and block by block and council members and staff. And so I hope, um, I hope to uh, see you there, all of you watching, and I hope that we can possibly stagger the start times to make that possible. And um, those are my comments. Thank you. Thank you, Councilmember Byers. Thank you. I attended the Los Angeles County Affordable Housing Solutions Agency meeting, the Clean Power Alliance Legislative Committee meeting, the State of the City, thanks to the Chamber for hosting such a great event. Um, and I had the honor to swear in many of our new board and commission members and returning board and commission members and witness the inauguration of our first drag laureate Pickle, who as you all learned tonight is totally fabulous. We're so lucky. Um, some comments to share. Just thank you to everyone who came out and participated in the meeting and who's watching from home or will be. Uh, we cannot do democracy without you. Um, and just on the note of participation, since I do hear loudly the desire from some members of our boards and commissions to have meetings televised and shared to a wider audience, I really do appreciate the sentiment and understand as we come out of COVID where that situation enabled all of us to have meetings very differently. It feels especially frustrating to be up against the limitations of space and time and technology as we are now. So I just want to 
to say I really appreciate the desire to have more of what the city does shared. And to that point, um, just wanted to quickly uplift item 2i on our consent agenda, which was the mid-year report on social services. It's a really fabulous opportunity to review the work under the purview of our Human Services Commission, which is executed by our amazing social services staff. And I encourage you to check that out and better understand the range of services that we invest in to support our community in all the ways we do. I also want to highlight that on every single council agenda, we approve a synopsis of board and commission meeting minutes. Tonight, that is item 2G. In the online council agenda packet, you can find a link to that synopsis. It's a really great way for people to see what's going on there. Um, I like doing it because it's often what we end up seeing up here a few months down the road. Um, and so as we continue the discussion for ways to make our government more accessible uh, to the public, I hope folks are fully utilizing those resources that are available to you. Um, I do want to thank John Kehoe for your many contributions to the city and apologize for one last very annoying questioning round if I made more needlessly confusing tonight than I needed to. Um, wishing you all the very best and what's next. Um, and I just want to say I'm really looking forward to seeing folks in the community. I know it's a ways away for our next council meeting, so we can look forward to seeing each other in the community at National Night Out, in the park or in the pool, David Nash. Uh, and just enjoy the summer weeks ahead. Use the cooling centers when you have to. Please don't try to be stubborn. Go find the re uh, relief when you need it um, and do your very best to stay cool. Thanks, everyone. Councilmember Heilman. Hi, I also attended the Chamber State of the City event and I regret to say that I will not be at National Night Out this year, but I know that <clears throat> it will be fantastic as it always is. Mayor Fortem Thank you so much. <clears throat> I have attended the Contract Cities Ledge Committee meeting. Um, I went to the hazard, uh, in-person hazard mitigation meeting. Um, I spoke to the LA Times on the minimum wage, more on that in a second, the CPA Board of Directors meeting, the WeHo Heights Neighborhood Association meeting where I trekked up that hill, thank you Elise, um, the celebration of life for Esther Baum, um, the Naleo conference, um, I had my Saturdays in Plummer Park event, and I too attended the Drag Laureate installation. Congratulations to Pickle. What, and I think you said it so well, Councilmember Meister. I, I, we didn't know Pickle, that was the image of what we were gonna get, but what a beautiful uh, person and uh, laureate inside and out. It's, it's really, I'm really excited to see all the amazing things. Um, additionally, a um, uh, few things. Uh, if staff could reach out to the city of Norwalk to talk to them about their bulky item pickup program, they get with them. I, and Helen's still here. I love Helen Collins because she answers all of my texts and emails when I am walking around my neighborhood saying there's something needing to be picked up. And she's so good and we are so lucky to have Helen. So I just wanna say that. Um, but I feel like other cities have a different agreement. I don't wanna scare people and say, let's reopen the Athens contract conversation again, but I do feel like our residents are missing a service for bulky item, and I and the city shouldn't be doing this when we pay um, a lot of money for them to do it proactively. I understand the first of the month is always a special time, but that's probably one of the biggest things I hear about from residents is bulky items. So if that could happen, um, additionally, I agree with what my colleague said regarding the televised meetings. I know we will get it at some point. I, I know that we can't have all things in the world televised. We try, 
but like we did with the DAB, we'll find a way, and I, it would be really good to see how that can happen. Um, I know uh, our city manager walked around or drove around to the different crosswalks regarding the lighting of the intersections. If he could just provide an update, uh, an email is fine regarding ones that are working, or if they're all working, great. Um, that would be wonderful. Um, I know when we approved the pub budget, we talked about having a block-by-block -block kiosk up on Sunset. I think that that is something that is still needed, um, and I would like to know what that could look like. I think having something up there, maybe at the bottom of Horn by the coffee bean and tea leaf could help, or somewhere where the community, but I was wondering what the status of that would be. Um, additionally, the escalators at the gateway are still not working, and I know there is an email about that, uh, a long a month or so ago and they continually don't work so if code or someone else could have got there it is a big accessibility issue because they only have those stairs and I and so they do need to work I'm I'm pretty sure that probably conditioned to work but it'd be nice if they did um, additionally uh, you mentioned the Rick Zabur event. There is a psilocybin forum next week happening here. Um, congratulations to Jackie Steele. I mean, I'm just so thankful for her service as a public safety commissioner, and I know we're going to be honoring her other commissioners. But Jackie is just bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and we're so lucky to have her um, in many ways. Um, congratulations, John Kehoe. You're not here. You left. You're retired. It's done. You're gone. So bye. But thank you for always being a funny guy. And I voted no on your last public hearing, so that kind of makes me feel a little good inside. Um, and additionally, um, National Night Out uh, is happening. Um, I am going to be in a dunk tank, uh, and it's going to be raising money for the WeHo Youth Scholarship Program on the east side. So John Heilman is sponsoring people up to $1,000. No, I'm joking, because uh, he won't be here. Um, and the fives of you in the audience will get that. But I'm doing the dunk tank first at WeHo East, because that's who's having it. So. Come on out. You have to pay money to dunk me, though. So to all of my fans, get your checkbooks out. Um, and uh, to what... Just do it now, right? And then last but not least, uh, <laughs> Jackie Steele said something about videos, um, or was it Jimmy? Whoever said it. But I know before council meetings, when I was an intern, we used to show educational videos for the public that were here. Perhaps we could start doing something like that again, if it's a topical month or if it's something educational that we could have playing for the public before the meeting so that they are aware of it. That would be helpful. I do think those comments were necessary, and the more we can do to educate people, the better and I'll see you all later at National Night Out. Thank you. Since our last meeting, I attended the State of the City and spoke um, uh, with the WeHo Chamber's State of the City, uh, LA's first South Asian Pride Night at the LGBT Center. It was a lot of fun. Uh, lesbians in Boys Town screening, and uh, they are still fundraising for to complete this documentary. Um, the LGBTQ Commission swearing in. Uh, I also attended Esther Baum's uh, memorial at Kolami. Uh, the Drag Laureate installation this weekend. So excited that that this is often running. Um, I want to say happy birthday to Council Member John Heilman. Um, so. Happy birthday, I hope you enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Uh, congrats to John Kehoe on your retirement. Uh, thank you, Council Member Byers, for co-sponsoring the resolution denouncing the United States Supreme Court's recent ruling regarding affirmative action, as well as thank you to uh, 
Mayor Pro Tem John Erickson for co-sponsoring with me the resolution denouncing the United States Supreme Court recent ruling regarding LGBTQ plus rights and thank you to our colleagues for supporting. And, and Count, uh, Mayor Pro Tem John Erickson still has something else to say. <laughs> I'm gonna hold you hostage, but I think this is important. I would, I would like, to, I forgot to mention this, so thank you very much, Mayor, I appreciate it. I just wanted to highlight the portion of the LA Times article that came out about West Hollywood having the highest minimum wage. Um, and I'm gonna read directly from the article. Thanks to a bump in his pay last summer, Norberto Ruiz was able to afford a $150 air conditioner to keep his family's two-bedroom home in North Hollywood from feeling like a furnace when temperatures soared. The Honduran immigrant who works at a liquor store in West Hollywood saw his hourly pay jump by $1 to $16. For the first time, the 53-year-old, his wife, two daughters, and in-laws could enjoy the simple pleasure of, slightly, of a slightly chilled living room due chiefly to a small pay rise. And to quote him, I don't think people understand how much an extra dollar or two can change people's lives, Ruiz said. We'll never be a rich family, but at least we can be happy. Thank you very much, Mayor. Wonderful, and that is a wonderful note to end tonight's meeting. Uh, the City Council meeting is adjourned. It is... I can't see. 9.30. 9.32 p.m. And um, our next meeting is Monday, uh, wait, this is not correct. Our next meeting is August 21st at 6 p.m. at West Hollywood Park, Park Public Meeting Room, Council Chambers. Good night, everyone.